This is former WWE referee Jimmy Corderas, and you're listening to the Attitude Era podcast, where you can stroll down memory lane, maybe with a steel chair. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Attitude Era podcast, episode number nine. Hello everyone, once again I'm Kevin Mahan, joined as always as I am in this critique and review of the Attitude Era by my cohorts, comrades and compatriots. First of all, the man sitting to my right, Mr. Adam Vibbo. Good morning to you, sir. Hello, Kevin. How's it going? Very well. I've started DDP yoga lately, so I've got to tell you, I'm feeling real good about myself, with a real good energy, and life is going my way in a minute, Kevin. Uh, I stopped doing DDP yoga and started doing DDP yogurt, and now I've developed a calcium intolerance. So oh, to be so you, mate. Nice. I can't believe anything did he put his name on. I can't really. Uh, hello, Billy. How are you? You're sitting over here. I am over here. I was going to say, all the previous things, you got these amazing intros, and now it's just, hello, Billy. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. You're good. Yeah. Are you ready uh, for some deadly games of chance? Yeah, yes, yes, I am. I, I didn't know anything about this uh, hate mm. um, and things happen in this is it safe to say you got swerved? I got, I got swerved. I got swerved. Good and big, proper. Big time. Big time swerving. Sorry, so the point of this podcast is that you don't know anything about the pay-per-views. What you just said was, I don't know anything about this pay-per-view, and things happened at it. Well, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything about it before watching it. I'd never heard of it, or and it's quite a big pay-per-view. It, it is. Uh, this is considered to be one of the uh, cornerstones of the Attitude Era. Uh, for This was a very significant pay-per-view. We haven't had a champion for what seems like forever, but it's time to finally crown a new WWF champion. It's Survivor Series 1998. This is the Deadly Game Tournament. As a child, I had a dream. Life. Power. Recognition. Prestige. The quest for destiny. To one day be champion. To one day be champion. To one day be champion. Desire. As a man, I have a dream. Ambition. I will be champion. A hunger still unsatisfied. I will not fail. I cannot fail. Unleash the demon inside. Sacrifice the soul for the covenant gold. Whatever means necessary. The light is brighter. Whatever it takes. The taste sweeter. Whatever means necessary. Sacrifice. Whatever it takes. Destiny. Whatever means necessary. Whatever it takes. Whatever means necessary. Pain, sacrifice, agony. I will be champion. Whatever it takes. And now, Nestle Crunch presents WWF Survivor Series Deadly Game. Deadly Game. You're gonna get a dick <laughs> it sounds like something that you'd uh, hear whilst playing uh, Snake Eater while you're climbing a really big ladder. Yeah, I have to say, first of all, we are here, we are Survivor Series 1998, coming to us from Sold Out, St. Louis, Missouri, joined by Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler, as always. Introductory package for the first time in the history of this podcast. 
I was actually let down. Let down? Yeah. It's, it's been one of my favourite ones. Sorry, go up. Why? Um, because it doesn't explain any of the storylines going into this. There's loads of cool shit that was going on, lots of intricacies and wrinkles going into it. And all you get is just everyone in the tournament with a passing torch over their face and they go, oh, I want to win it. Whatever, <laughs> I like Whatever it. means necessary. Whatever it takes. Take a drink every time somebody says whatever in that package. <laughs> I do like the fact that they kind of put everyone over in the sense that, you know, you've got like Austin and, you know, Goldust. And, and Snow. Yeah, it's just like, they're all kind of seem to be on par with each other. Um, the reason I like it is because it puts all the emphasis back on the WF title and makes it feel really important because that's what it is you know you've got all the storylines and everything going on but the tournament is about the title yeah and it true. makes it feel really important and special yeah but as i said because we've got nothing really but i mean we've got 14 matches on this card yeah. which is an awful lot and just a couple of things uh, which which i think bear mentioning austin was was fired at the end of the last pay-per-view yeah as we mentioned towards the end of judgment day uh, episode he did get re-signed by shane mcmahon who seemingly just stepped out of the shadows as saying he wants to, you know, win over his father and, you know, nothing's ever been good enough for him so he's, like, gonna, you know, take it to him because his dad was was going you know, overboard with the ego. We've got that going, a very interesting story. We have The Rock, who is basically tired of being screwed over and not gotten his title shot yet. You know, Vince McMahon is a vendetta against The Rock because The Rock is the people's champion and he hates the people. Mm. Vince is estranged from Shane, so he's adopted mankind as his, like, weird de facto son and all this crazy shit going on. There's stuff going on with Mankind and Al Snow though which we'll get into. There's stuff going on with Snow and Jared even. None of it is covered here and because this is a tournament we don't have promo packages before any of the matches so I feel overall we actually miss out if you were to well, show this, this to someone... Yeah. This pay-per-view isn't about story, though, because it's a tournament. You can't really Well, I, I, I disagree with that, because no. there is story development. Well, yeah, you, you, you get the development, but... But, I mean, the thing is, like you say, there is an awful lot of story going on there. I think it would be too much to try and fit into an introductory package. They had to I show think, a bit of it, at least. Well, they could have done, but the important thing is here, after having two months without a champion, I think the WWF title's lost a little bit of its glamour yeah. and its appeal. So now they've made it this big, important milestone again, and it's actually put all the emphasis back on the championship where it should be. So The last time they had a championship tournament to uh, you know crown a, a new champion after it being vacated was WrestleMania 4 back in the day. So obviously, you know, this is a... Ten years ten ago. Ten years prior to this, which is quite outstanding. The idea of this tournament apparently was the brainchild of Vince Russo, mm -hmm. and this tournament... But apparently Vince Russo's uh, hand is very much like, you know, felt in this and the fact that a lot of the finishes, the structure of the tournament, how it all kind of, you know, was going to progress yeah. was mostly Vince Russo's right. uh, kind of, you know. So this may be one of the first times on the podcast where we've got an entire show that is seemingly kind of by, almost completely yeah. by Mr. Vince Russo, which may or may not uh, <laughs> explain a lot of things that happen. Going back to the intro package again, we have another one of my favourite things. This always happens with the best intro packages. Um, have this big epic thing, Freddie Blassie, black and white photography, yeah. and, and it fades away, and then Nestle Crunch presents <laughs> WWF Survivor Series. Nestle Nestle Crunch. Nestle Crunch. What marketing? The least attitude era thing imaginable. I know, like Don Draper sitting in his office with a with a bottle of scotch going, I think crunchy chocolate and like this really violent product will go hand in hand together. Clearly it works. Clearly. Very, very interesting fact about this as well. Survivor Series traditionally associated with one thing, gentlemen, which is the Survivor Series elimination match. Yes. Usually five on five, sometimes it was four on four. Elimination tag matches, two teams of guys going at it. 
First time in the history of Survivor Series since its debut in the 80s that it was not a single Survivor Series elimination match. No, just one tag team match. Everything else is singles, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, which is quite um, uh, strange, I suppose. It would be like having a Royal Rumble without a Royal Rumble. Yeah, you know? makes no sense. Or a King of the Ring without having a King of the Ring, which they nearly got away with <laughs> at King what, of the Ring 98. Yeah, wouldn't it have made more sense just to do this as a standalone pay-per-view called Deadly Game or something? Yeah. But then I suppose yeah. you, you'd have had to make it take the slot of Survivor Series and then break the tradition of having Survivor Series every year, I suppose. Honestly, so. if we could have had not had Judgment Day and had this tournament... That would have been yes. a million times better. I yeah. would have been cool with that. Just out of interest, what is the Deadly Game all about? Like, Is there a reason for that name? Is there any significance? No, it's, a, it's a game and it's deadly. Oh, <laughs> shit. Right, okay, sweet. I just, got that sorted. <laughs> I like to think that Jim Johnson just had a wild weekend, you know, smoked a lot of pot, did some fucking ketamine, you know. <laughs> and at the end of it, he's watching the sunrise and he just like had a moment of inspiration and wrote it's a deadly game <laughs> kind of like Tony Soprano when he you know does uh, peyote in, uh, in the desert in the, in the Sopranos you know has a moment of, uh, of inspired brilliance and then he's just like can we make a pay-per-view to fit to this uh, song that is basically the only way you can come up with a name as lame as the Deadly Game Tournament. We've <laughs> not got to the first match yet. We've had a Mad Men reference and now a Sopranos reference. Well, you well. know, it's it, there's, uh, we have a lot of matches on this. You know, a lot of matches, very little story. Yeah. We may breeze through a lot of them. It depends. You know, it's it's hard to tell at this well, there's point. There's no time at the present. There's no time at the present. We get a shot of the brackets. Jim Ross informs us. Only winners will be advancing, unlike all those other tournaments yeah, that let them lose. That's how tournaments worked. <laughs> and I will point out for the record that later on, one of the losers advances. Into the <laughs> 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 Fucking dolts. Okay, here we go. Start off with Vince McMahon coming out. Vince, of course, who has orchestrated this tournament, so you can yes. see early on that Vince has got a lot to say about what's going to happen here. Uh, Vince is basically, again, still in the wheelchair. Uh, he got further crippled by The Rock, who uh, gave Vince the rock bottom. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw that very famous shot of The Rock looking like his eyes were literally about to explode out of his oh, head. Yeah. Vince slapped The Rock. Mankind is having the first uh, match here. As we said, Mankind, even though he's still kind of a face, he thinks Vince is looking out for him. And Vince is clearly manipulating him again to, to be his pawn in the tournament, yeah. so to yeah. speak. Mankind is the only one who hasn't gotten announced opponent it's a mystery opponent all up to build up to this everyone was speculating because he had disappeared again from commentary on tv Shawn michaels was apparently going to be the mystery man could <laughs> you believe that that would have been cool if it was actually uh... did you hear the chance of h vince cuts his promo talking about this guy who's going to come out I mean, as soon as he mentions uh, that this guy left to go to the uh, uh, the old wcw he, uh, everyone goes mental because they, they have all the They might have thought then up. that it might have been Brad even. Like, yeah, you know. perhaps. But there were noticeable HBK chants. But of course, the whole thing is a, is a hilarious ruse. I can't wait to, to see who McMahon has paired Mankind with in the first round. It must be quite the athlete because apparently Mr. McMahon has some prepared statements for this introduction. Tonight... The mystery opponent to square off against mankind. This legend in the ranks of sports entertainment made his WWF debut in 1990. Over the course of the next six years, this charismatic superstar boasted a one loss record that set new standards here in the WWF. Who do you think, JR? Unfortunately, seeking more opposition on his own caliber, this natural athlete jumped ship to the WCW. Whoa! 
Who is it? And after suffering a massive shoulder injury, this cornerstone of the World Wrestling Federation has been sidelined for the past two years. With his career on the line, he fought back with resilience, dreaming of this triumphant return to the ring here tonight. Therefore, without further ado, allow me to introduce to you, currently, the coach of the Pasadena Chargers, the man, the myth, Dwayne Gill. Who? What is he? Dwayne Gill? Hey man, I know him, that's Dwayne Gill. Well, I'm not. He's, he's, he's got a video. McMahon has had a video prepared of Dwayne Gill, who has spent more time on the canvas than Rembrandt. Uh, I do adore Vince's uh, promo introducing this man. The man, the myth, making his debut the, on the podcast. The manager of the Pasadena Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a man who spent more time on the canvas than Rembrandt. It's Dwayne Gill. Gilberg himself is here. The man. You can't be next, but you can be first. <laughs> Mankind takes care of Dwayne Gill in literally 10 seconds. He's yeah. literally the dictionary <laughs> definition of a jobber, isn't he? He looks like what you would imagine just a jobber, generic jobber to be. That it's music, brilliant. that music he comes out to. His pyro gives him a heart attack as well. He, <laughs> he actually leans forward and goes like, whew. <laughs> yeah, I, I do love it as well. They give him a Titan Tron, but the only existing footage of Dwayne from the 80s is him being beaten up. So you see like all the stars of years gone by hitting their finish on Dwayne. He's looking up there going, oh, there's me and Razor, like, you know, uh, which is quite funny. I love Gilbert so fucking much. I think the gimmick hilarious. is hilarious. We'll see him once or twice popping up around again, which is cool. It's just the fact that, you know, a guy who was destined to be a jobber. The fact that he exists. He didn't look like a star. No, but not at he's all. this is what you got in the adage there. He you know, he got a, a one or two year contract out of this. Yeah. You know, he appears at all the gimmick battle royales, you know, he's got a, you know, he's has got a training school now because he's got a name because he was on national TV. Did really well for himself. He worked a program with The Rock and Goldberg in Jason. <laughs> three so if you want to talk about punching above his weight i think yeah. Dwayne gill may take the fucking award here for that unbelievable we get mankind as well of course wrestles this match in a tuxedo he looks yep. hilarious looks brilliant do you like the corporate makeover billy yes i do uh do you like the the, the slippers he's got on i uh, do i do like beautiful loafers beautiful uh foley as well coming out with the hardcore championship yep. yeah yeah um, the hardcore championship yes on vince awarded mankind the hardcore championship as means of thanks for sticking by him while like the undertaker and kane had abandoned him and seemingly everyone was was uh, turned their back on Vince so yeah. he gave Foley this belt Foley of course thought it was literally the greatest thing known to man this it looks like the crummiest shit it looks like it's made out of pizza boxes yeah. it's all just like taped together of course um, the uh, urban legends yeah, of you what the belt was no oh it's really interesting yeah Back in the 80s, Mr. Perfect, uh, I think one of his debut feuds was against Hulk Hogan, who was the WWF champion at the time. And him and his uh, manager, the genius, who was the brother of Macho Man Randy Savage, stole Hogan's title belt after one of their matches. You know, they, they didn't win the belt, they just nicked it. Stole the belt, ran backstage, and then proceeded to beat the shit out of the uh, the belt with a, with a hammer. This is the old big eagle wing yeah, belt that yeah. Hogan used to have. And they smashed it to pieces. Now, the popular running theory for all the years was that the hardcore belt 
was the remnants of it because it was broken up and yeah, glued together, together with yeah. hardcore written on it kind of crappy. Now, I do believe that recently uh, photo, the photos came up, I think. Um, it's been disproven. Cause it the, has been disproven. The Smash Belt was sold on eBay or something like that, and you yeah. know, it's already out there. But the fact that it's got a kayfabe myth like that, I think. Yeah, is the that's really thing. cool. Yeah. I think it might actually be the case that, like, it isn't actually the belt because they were, the belt was a slightly different color and was sold out. Yeah. But I think, in yeah, in kayfabe terms, Maybe it was actually, you which know, is meant still, to like, be. amazing. Which yeah. is still, I just love that, like a lineage of like, you know, it was the the belt that Hogan had at WrestleMania three, and, and now, now Mick Foley's got it covered in tape. Yeah, and now like Steve Blackman's going to hold it thirty eight times. <laughs> you know, it's just I love that uh, continuity. So yeah, we'll see a lot of mankind throughout the night, and also mankind winning a lot. Uh, so we get to hear his amazing winning outro music, which I think is the first time we hear it on the podcast. Yeah, it's it's good music, but it's. It's stuck around for too long now. He doesn't fit this mankind. This, I love this the mankind idea. Needs his I like it. Music. I, I like yeah. it. I like it. It suited the old mankind better when he wore brown. He was a lot more troubled and less comical. Yeah. This more light-hearted, upbeat, Mr. Socko kind of mankind. It doesn't fit him at all. That's true. I think it's yeah. He's 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 due a change in music for like two months now. But, uh, yeah. But anyway, we got a recap backstage. Mark Merrow and Sable. Uh, yeah. Get get the cut back to heat, don't we? Yeah. This feud, which has been running since before, uh, it's been running since like Royal Rumble in 1998. Yeah. It's been running for nearly the whole fucking year. Yeah. What is this? It's the only feud. It's that's been, been going, going for, for this nearly a year, and it's gone f- gone nowhere. Just like... so we know, the two longest running storylines in wrestling in this period are Mark Merrow and Sable, and Sting and the NWO. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking ludicrous. Night and day. Night and day, indeed. Uh, K Squared interviews Sable. Sable. Like- Nailed from behind in a, in a hit and run, drive by type uh, attack by Jacqueline. Sable's a little worse for wear, and I think she's standing by with Kevin Kelly. Go after what Jacqueline did to you on Heat. I gotta believe that she's thrown you off your game plan. Kevin, she didn't throw me off my game plan. The only thing that Jacqueline did was piss me off. Now I'm more determined than ever. I guarantee you that tonight I will become the new WWF Women's Champion. Sable just kind of like, you know. So wooden, but the crowd eat it up. She's I like, hate the crowd. They do my head in. Like, what? Why? I am going to get her. The crowd's like, ECW. <laughs> you know, they're really fucking into Idiots. it. Idiots. But uh, then we get the moment where Jacqueline uh, tackles uh, Sable from behind, to which uh, JR says that it was a hit and run style drive by attack. Which I didn't know means she got pushed over. <laughs> does that like, mean? Is that what happened to Tupac and Biggie? They got pushed over and just didn't wake up. Uh, does that make Mark Merrow a car then? Like, <laughs> I'm just like, wondering here. He's got the wrestling ability. So we got now. We got Waluigi, Lionel Richie, <laughs> a car. <laughs> And then uh, Sable says that she wants to be not the women's champion, the woman's champion. So she's channeling Pat Patterson there. I dare having a woman snap me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, more first round action in the Deadly Games tournament. I'll be saying that a lot. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, now comes to the ring by the returning Deborah McMichael, who has recently fleed WCW. Yeah. And presumably her incredibly awful husband, uh, Mongo McMichael, will not be joining her. Shame. Shame. Real shame. If, can we start a Mongo podcast? Nope. <laughs> Just like no need for that, Kevin. That's true. Uh, taking on Al Snow, a man who he uh, asked politely to wrestle at the last pay per view, 
and was declined oh. due to, I don't know, an admin error. Now he'll get his chance. So many fans in the crowd have, not like the styrofoam heads used to have in ECW that they would pass out, but as an actual mannequin, mannequin yes, head with the hair who went out to get them themselves. And I was a man who's been looking for a mannequin head for some time, for a yeah. Mankind mask, which I've recently purchased. They're not easy or cheap to come by. The snow is fucking over. Yeah, dedication is really, really over with the fans. It's amazing. So yeah, these two have kind of been feuding, but just in that kind of general vague sense. You cost me a match. I don't like you. Nothing really amazing going. I think Jared is kind of better than this. Really, he should be in a more intense feud. This is such a Monday Night Raw match. I think. Yeah. There's really nothing going on here. No story. No real wrestling or anything. It's just a very straightforward match the one thing that's not straightforward about this match though is that 12 minutes and 16 seconds into the pay-per-view when Al Snow leaves the ring we get this robotic noise for a while from mankind's repertoire Al Snow has become a headband oh yeah what the hell was that having a clue <laughs> it's it the Undertaker giving Randy Orton a close it. <laughs> Snow you may notice guys has got Mr. Sacco wrapped around head but we'll get into that yeah. later on the night Snow takes control early on like Al Snow he's got a very unique offense he's kind of got a a longer match where it's just him and another guy now and it's not Mark Merrow so he gets to show off a bit more yeah. Yeah. which is nice to see we get a line from JR halfway through the match just comes out of completely out of nowhere like we're just calling the match as it is and then uh, JR just goes Deborah McMichael who can easily be described as a Jezebel <laughs> it just comes completely out of nowhere this is the first time on the podcast Jim Ross uses the term Jezebel. It was unprovoked as well. She was just stood there, not doing anything. She, Deborah, honestly, doesn't really do that much. You know, she, ever. She doesn't do much in this. She doesn't interfere. She doesn't like. She's just there. She's a pretty lady who's just there. I think Deborah's one of the blandest managers of all time. She yeah, never does no, anything. She's pretty like. She's just pretty stands wooden. there. She is just like literally the definition of a, like a pretty face. Like she, uh, she's really adding manager. anything to I, the act. I would sooner have somebody though who doesn't interfere rather than Tennessee Lee. Who, mm. who, whilst he did try to interfere, he did it so poorly. I'd rather have nothing. As than annoying as Tennessee, Tennessee Lee was, though, he had a defined character and everything. Yeah, yeah. Deborah. Deborah has literally just debuted, so as a stance, she is just a woman in a low cut top. She does kind of like come into her own a little bit later. Not much. By the time we get to SummerSlam '99, she kind of like she she gets massively over with the fans though as well. Yeah. So you'll be seeing a lot of Deborah coming forward but yeah no getting back to Jezebel it's a Jim Ross staple that word one which he didn't use like you know after the Attitude Era it didn't stop being used but like if you were like any sort of heel and you you had ovaries you were a Jezebel in that man's <laughs> mind now Jezebel I went to Catholic school right so Jezebel I was <laughs> I used to drop that word all the goddamn time <laughs> and I have religion teachers coming over to me going saying you know Jezebel literally it's it's like a woman of such unspeakably low virtue that that is a special word in the Bible for him. It's like literally, Jezebel is used in the Bible to describe like the worst women, apparently. Imaginable. The worst character, the heels of the Bible, basically. <laughs> you know. Double J loses. Uh, we get a kind of a guitar head standoff, both men going for the other guy's gimmick. Yeah. Snow ends up with head, though, clocks Jeff. One, two, three. And that's Pretty, the game. Very fast. We have this insane pace of the pay per view. It's like match, boom, match, boom. Yeah. No, no respite. No kind of breather matches. No there's promos, time limits. No segments. There's time limits, so you know. So ten minutes. Yeah, nice we, we're informed at Jim Ross. We have ten minute time limits for the opening matches. So you know, uh, of course, after the match, then for whatever reason, despite the fact that Al Snow wins and walks out victorious, Jeff Jarrett celebrates in the ring by raising his hand with his guitar and Deborah. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Celebrating the loss. Do you see me lose there, bro? <laughs> Come on. Maybe he doesn't know that's how the tournament um, 
tournament works. You know, he didn't hear he the didn't winners he go didn't, forward. He didn't yeah. hear that only when it was advanced. Yeah. yeah, he thought that losers might get might advance. Okay, they should advance. have clarified more. Speaking of losers advancing, <laughs> <laughs> Big Boss Man coming out now to take on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Big Boss Man making his fucking debut match here. Love the Big Boss Man. That theme, yeah. that theme music is one of my all-time uh, favorites. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Boss Man just has this fucking amazing presence about him. Like he looks so, so cool, doesn't he? Definitely. Except absolutely. when he's wearing a balaclava and all black, and he just looks like a shadow standing next to Vince McMahon. He is described by Jim Ross as being a mountain of a man. Which is pretty awesome. Austin comes out. It's so weird hearing Austin like wrestle like in the first twenty minutes of a pay per view. Yeah, yeah straight off the bat. Really straight. Austin comes out. We kick it off immediately. Like pretty high octane stuff, which yeah. I like. I have to say, I love like just seeing Bossman wrestling. It's kind of an old school eighty style, but it's so fucking effective. He's such a great heel. He's always mouthing off. His moves are like it's. He's a big guy, but he does all these kind of dirty moves. But it's yeah. not like a ca- he's not a coward. If you know what it's I mean? It's not cowardly dirty. He's still tough. He's, he's a real he like tough as nails. Real roughhouser, yeah. And I just love that he's always like he like he loses temper and he like stamp around like yeah. you know like he can actually be kind of a comedic figure. But then like one second later. He's kind of a scary dude. He's basically yeah. just a prick, really. He's like a massive prick, and that's his character. It really works. Definitely. Uh, we get frequent shots, and we'll get this throughout the night. Shots of Vince McMahon's private room where he's watching with the corporate stooges and giving bland commentary. Or in often cases, pretending to talk. Going, yeah, I get that they wanted to cut back to show, you know, that McMahon's, you know, working, you know, the, the, he's being the puppet master in, yeah. in, within the tournament. Don't keep cutting back to it. Because it kept making me think, oh, McMahon's going to be saying something here. I and mean, all you can hear is Jerry and JR. Like, mm. what's the point? They just Show it once. Tell us what's happening. Don't keep going they, back they to it. They use it to give We're really, not stupid. really bad exposition. Yeah. Like, it'll cut to McMahon going, like, you know, Jerry Briscoe going, McMahon, that was such a good plan you had when you sent Al Snow out there with the same. Yeah. You know, blatant. They're just literally explaining to you everything that's happening. It's silly. But I do like the fact that we got all the stooges here, Patterson, Briscoe, and Sergeant Slaughter, who looks like Mean Gene if he had gigantism. Just <laughs> <laughs> this big fucking bloated potato in the big corner. Big jelly baby of a man. <laughs> Wasn't you described him last night, uh, Sergeant Slaughter? Oh, jeez, I can't remember that. Is it, is it, it was Mean Gene? If oh, yeah, if you got Mean Gene, like he's a little rubber toy or whatever, and you put in one of those things where you put it in the water and it expands. <laughs> That's Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. It's all inflated and a little bit deformed. Good Lord, he's a he's a barrel of a man. What I did like is uh, around this point, uh, Jerry calls McMahon the biggest boss man. The biggest boss man. Does that mean there's a bigger boss man? An even bigger boss man. A bigger boss man, yes. Even in the 80s, he was a fat cunt back then. <laughs> Pavarotti. Yeah, no, seriously. He looks, he's in great shape. Like, I love the fact that when he came back to WWF, it's like he lost like 100 he pounds. He trimmed down big time. It's crazy. Like, it's, not, it's not just like he's lost weight as well. He also looks really buff and mean. Here. Yeah, no, he's a proper, proper, proper scary looking guy. Uh, Austin Mance a comeback on the boss man. A snug, flat, stiff comeback, some might say. Uh, Bossman, however, takes him to the outside, KOs Austin with the nightstick, and just goes to town on him. Police brutality. Beats the living shit out of him. Austin wins, but, you know. I, um, the, the thing here is, like, it's only nitpicking, like, but in the storyline, obviously, Bossman disqualifies himself just to try and take Austin out so he can't perform later on. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been better just to have gone the full 10 minutes, let the time run out, and then, you know, they both eliminated? Yeah. No, Vince, because he cut back to Vince, uh, Cole interviews and kind of saying, hey, you know, why did the you know, Bossman do this? And Vince is like, oh, Austin's got a very long night ahead of oh, him. Oh, so it's punishment, then. Implying that he wants Austin to, you know, like have as many matches yeah. possible yeah, right, and then okay. get screwed over I think that's that's what they're going for for there right it's very strange you'll see this a lot tonight like Austin laid out Austin getting pinned yeah. this is stuff we've never seen before really because I mean Austin 
bar King of the Ring where you know he got screwed over with the by the, the, by the technicality. Yeah. You almost never see Austin like you know physically get the shit knocked out of yeah, him. Yeah, like it's this. weird seeing him this way. So it really puts all Bossman over straight away. Is like, oh, he's actually fucking serious. This dude. Mm. We got our next opening round contest. X Pac. X Pac. Make <laughs> X Pac, who is apparently in the midst again of this neck problems he's got, taking on. One of our favourites. Yeah, been looking forward to this. They look forward to this one, but good lord, what a gimmick. It's time to go to the shop and make some corrugated iron, because he's the real man's man. Steven Regal. With the best entry music I've the heard so far in greatest. the era. Such a man. Such a man. <laughs> he's a real I, w- I see, like I want to see a barbershop quartet like, just singing out the street. <laughs> I would kill for it. There you go. If there's wrestling fan, smooth the groove, get into wrestling and do real Anyone man's out there that's into acapella, make it happen. Please. Absolutely amazing. It's a, this is a difficult one to talk about, I suppose. You have got a rest, or straight off the bat, you, I mean, we're, we're wrestling fans and we have brains. We think William Regal is one of the greatest ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he is just, from just his in-ring career to like his kind of role as a mentor now, he is fucking awesome. I love that man. Love yeah. William Respect Regal. the Bajee said him. I listened to um, Cole Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast, the two we did with William Such Regal. Such a good interview. Absolutely outstanding. Very Listen, honest man. Very honest. Listen to that, find out about the man he's got a great story he has got the silliest fucking gimmick known to man here the real man's man and we saw him doing things we had promos building up to the real man's man debut and he was doing such villainous things as mixing cement <laughs> making orange juice shaving without foam <laughs> which is fucking crazy dude that's telling you right now that's just playing with fire playing with fire you're gonna get burned so it's like you know he's the man's man he works out in a forest you know it's like <laughs> what is he a baddie period on raw bad up x-puck so that's basically it he's, yeah, he's that's, like, the, whole that's the whole gimmick really the main problem with kind of lampooning this to any great degree is the fact that William Regal had very, very serious personal problems at this time. By his own admission, it's you know he talks about it very frankly, you know, very open about it. Oh, very. He even says this promo, this uh, gimmick is what he deserved. He said he didn't yeah. deserve anything better than this. Which Saying that is... he was, he was. He said in his own words, he was like, he said, I was worthless at this time. I was no good. I was unreliable. I was, you know, I was high all the time, or I was drunk, whatever. This is what I deserve. And he says he remembers nothing of this of this gimmick at all because he was so messed up. Well, there was one thing he remembered because this is one of the things he opens up about on the art of wrestling is that obviously this is the only time we're going to see the real man's man on the podcast where the character would have gone yeah. had it not been cut. I wonder who wrote this coming uh, this bit coming Gee up here. Whiz, can you guess? Hmm, was it Dutch Mantel? <laughs> was it, it Dusty Rhodes? It was going to turn out that the real man's man was a man's man and he would be outed as a, a closet homosexual and the whole man's man thing was a big cover-up for him being gay thank christ that did not happen <laughs> knowing that there's a line within this match which made me laugh uh which is when uh jerry says you don't tell a real man's man to suck it i mean all i can Jesus. say nice little bit of foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs> we we had half a toe dipped in the water earlier on the podcast when triple h accidentally said he was bisexual yeah and look how they handled that could you imagine if that happened 
It'd be the most fucking homophobic thing. I I I honestly think there'd be no be a star campaigns right now. There'd be there'd be no none of that kind of stuff going yeah. on because people would be YouTubing the time WWF made fun of a homosexual yep. because there was no way in hell they were going to do that in anything other than completely tasteless. Uh, yeah. Well, it was the attitude era. It was bound to be appalling. It's yeah. That's phew, dodged a bullet there. Like so yeah. William Regal. Uh, he I mean he actually had debuted as Stephen Regal the night after King of the Ring. He wrestled one match and they just kind of put him over as like oh he's one of the best athletes in the world wrestle like draws bet the shit out of him and then he was just mustn't heard from again then he came yeah. back with this William Regal doesn't need a gimmick he doesn't he no. can just be himself he's just like you know you can do this you can do like the blue blood kind of gimmick yeah. or you know he, he, but he doesn't need this this is such a no one could make doesn't this work doesn't fit his style of wrestling no no not at all the crowd are really confused because like they don't know if they're meant to boo the man's man. They are silent or... when he comes out. They don't make any noise. It is quite strange. Uh, we do, however, straight off the bat, and despite the fact that Regal claims he was you know, messed up and was unreliable, we get some pretty fucking impressive chain wrestling from, from the get-go. This uh, match is fucking brilliant. Yeah, real, real amazing stuff. Uh, you know, Regal is really, really unique, and you get to see it here. His rest holds, uh, the way he sells... That you know he just he just throws. It's such a weird style, that European style, which you did not see at all back in the mm. in these days. The only person who would have been close to this would have been uh, Fit Finlay over in WCW. Right. But it's just really cool to see him. And X Pac, uh, who's usually you know more of a high flying guy, he really gels into this yeah. brand it game works stuff perfectly. Really great. Although maybe the crowd aren't entirely into it. They do start chanting "Regal sucks" at one point. Which yeah, which is good. Like, if you're a heel, is just debuted. That's pretty. Done good. his job. Yeah. He's get, a grunty motherfucker, William Regal. Yeah, I have written here. Regal is a grunter. Uh, every time he throws, he does a suplex. It's yeah. Did you uh, did you uh, notice X Pac swearing in this match? I did not. No. Regal suplexes him off the top rope. Yeah. And um, X Pac hits, uh, lands on the floor and he's writhing around, a bit, you know, trying to hint out his neck. There's a mo- a clear moment uh, in my version that I was watching where you hear X Pac just going, shit. Well, that actually... I, I was going to say, yeah, this is the one part about the match that did concern me a little bit. X-Pac that... does apparently get legitimately injured. Yeah, yeah it doesn't that, look that, like that he's moment, He does yell yeah. shit. By the end of the match, X-Pac mm. looks in real rough shape. Yeah. We get a really amazing kind of sunset... F- Regal goes for like a monkey flip in the corner, but X-Pac flips over him while Regal is still hunched up. Does a sunset flip, which Regal reverses and then into like just a big toss backwards. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. Absolutely awesome. I've never it, seen anything like it. It's also brilliant because when William Eagle gets pulled up into the sunset flip, you literally see him pause for a second and his eyes pop out of his head and he goes, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> it's like simple things like that. I mean, like, you know, the, it makes the move. Like, seem... he, he knows how to be like an entertaining yeah. heel to look That's at. That's real world of sport kind of uh, yeah. selling there. Like, yeah. But anyway, uh, Jim Ross drops a series Jesse The Mind Ventura uh, <laughs> yeah. wondering if he's watching his fellow Minnesotan uh, X-Pac wrestle probably not he's got a state to run <laughs> I love this match It we have a, the entire night we've got this fucking insane pace where it's either guys who are just kind of gassed out trying to get through it quickly or guys just like going through it quickly and just a quick match and another match and another match it's a nice slow because you got this grand game it's a nice slow down pace which is just a nice fucking breather yeah. which you don't get in the rest of the uh of the match uh, Xbox hits the Bronco Buster and then just does a regular suplex is that like the X-Plex is that like the a fin- X-Plex <laughs> what is that like I, I hate it when guys like set up for like what seems like a finisher and they just do a regular ass move it's yeah. weird but the guys brawl outside and just leads to a double count out sadly yeah 
But then we it's, have it's, the... a, it's, it's a fairly quiet and quick count out as well. No one has yeah. ever popped for a double count out mm. ever. Was it actually a double count out or yeah. was it the time limit expiring? No, I think it was double count out. They said expired. double count out. Yeah. Oh, okay. But well, um, I don't think I heard the ref counting. No, like, I didn't either. Again, they 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 go with that's what they say. I think there is a lot of miscommunication. The refing is all over the place. Yeah. All over, like all Something has happened here because Xbox is, is clearly legitimately, legitimately hurt. McMahon says backstage to Slaughter, we want overtime, five minutes. Slaughter goes out and says, Vince McMahon says, we have to do five minutes overtime. Howard Finkel goes, there will be five minutes overtime. And Stephen Regal is like, yeah. And X-Pac just walks away. Just walks off. Yeah, and it's, it's real really like, it, like Jim Ross is just like kind of, well, no, this ain't going to happen. There's no way. It was, you know, it was a double count up, but it was like, shit, X-Pac looks like a heel here. Exactly, yeah. To, to the average fan, he probably looks like a coward, but he looks seriously hurt. Yeah, he's being helped out by the ref, one of the refs. They, well. they have so many times mentioned the man's neck problems. Would It wouldn't have made a deal if they just went, hey, he's, he's hurt his neck. Exactly, yeah. No match. Put two and two together. So it's weird. And for the rest of the tournament brackets, the winner Austin now of course gets a bye to uh, the to the semi-finals yeah. because mm-hmm. of this match but it's on the tournament bracket it says Steve Austin versus Countout <laughs> brother when Countout gets you in the ring <laughs> it'll be I'm gonna knock you out and I'll do it in 10 10 10 <laughs> okay more first round action coming up here we've got Ken Shamrock taking on Goldust the Judgment Day Savior you were gonna say Judgment Day pedophile for a second <laughs> I got a uh, I got a lot of positive feedback for the Judgment Day people. One of the scariest things you've we ever should, said. We should point out though, in regards to Judgment Day, the sign that that. Um, oh yeah, quick oh, retraction. Oh yeah, quick, quick retraction. Uh, we here on uh, rock bottom often make. <laughs> this is um this is this is my bad because I was only pointing it out. In, no, in fairness though, the you you showed me where you'd seen the sign and it, from where because the shrine was striped and it was between ropes and the most of it was obscured. It looked like Billy's sign, when, when Billy the sign he showed us, it looked like it said, Pete is a nig. And we didn't know what the rest of it said. Yeah. We just assumed the worst because it, it was the same crowd who had a Paget the pedophile sign. Yeah. So forgive <laughs> us for jumping to a ludicrous conclusion. <laughs> oh, there's no way, you know. But anyway, it actually said Pete is a nugget. Right. Yeah. Just for the record as well, on the topic of nuggets... We made a very... It was during... What was the episode? It was a fully loaded or breakdown where we talked about the, uh, the, the DX. The meaning Nugget? Yes. Yeah. I think it was breakdown where we talked about why Nugget is... Right. Attention AE Podcast Universe. Or well, we got a better collective name for listeners. Tudors. Uh, Tudors, yeah. Tudors. That's what it was. The Tudors. Tudors. I like that. All right, Tudors. We're going, we're going with that. Tudors. Listen to me real carefully. We have been tweeted, I'm not fucking kidding, literally a thousand times. <laughs> Every morning I wake up and I see the little blue thing on my Twitter thing, I click it, and I have around a hundred people every day going, oh, by the way, that means Own Heart is a piece of shit. All right? Oh, they're, referring, they're referring to uh, Triple H saying that he was a nugget of shit. A nugget of shit. Own Heart is my literally one of, if not my favorite wrestler ever. Okay, and I, I, I don't want to wake up every goddamn morning with fans telling me, "By the way, he's a no good piece of shit." <laughs> so if you're listening to this episode, we know now. Thanks a lot. I'm never going to ask a question like this again. Well, that was a massive uh, sidetrack there. Yeah. yeah. Getting back We're to on match five. Back to Shamrock versus All right. Goldust. Goldust, the Judgment Day pedophile, taking on Ken Shamrock, refed by our good friend Jimmy Corderas. Yeah. Thanks again for the shout out, Jim. Thanks, Jim. You did a great, spectacular job. Shamrock is absurdly stiff here. 
I've got to say, this match, I thought, fuck yeah, Shamrock yeah. Goldust. Because we, we were hook. so yeah. impressed with Goldust in Judgment Day. Yeah. He was absolutely outstanding. Nothing wrong with Goldust here, but I honestly think this is an off night for Ken Shamrock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of liked it, so I still like the match. I think he takes far too many liberties with Goldust here. He's very stiff. He's very. Like, there's loads of um, rest holds that just look pathetic. He gets him in a chin lock and he's just sat there and. Ken Shamrock, a beast. You expect him to put a little bit more into it than yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's strange, and I'm wondering, is it because now this like Ken is proper, full blown heel now, as in kind of no kind of hey, you know, shades of grey. He's he's evil yeah. basically. Yeah. Is it the fact that usually we're used to kind of seeing Shamrock as kind of an underdog and he would get worked over most of the match, whereas now it's the roles have been reversed. He's meant to be kind of you know bullying Goldust, so to speak. So it just has this itches an awkwardness about it. I don't think yeah. it works. I guess, but it's just he it's does very take sloppy. Li- it's, it's sloppy as fuck. He hits some clotheslines and kiss kicks on Goldust that are just like unnecessary. He jumps from the top rope and lands on Goldust to do a Hurricane Rana, and then <sighs> when he twists it to land it, he nearly breaks his own neck. It's he goes, horrible he goes, to he, look at. Him and Goldust basically go opposite directions. It's really scary. Um, we'll put up a clip of it if we can find it on Vine. There's a, there's Even on Vine, he actually. There's yeah. a nice shout from him immediately after it as well. Like he does a big yell. After yeah, because he nearly yeah. kills himself. Rush with death. But I honestly say that's probably the scariest single move, like just a regular in-ring move, you know, without you know tables or anything, grab like that. Just a regular. Yeah. Move. That is the scariest move we, um, horrible. So we get a line from uh, Jerry uh, we, we talked about it in a, a previous pay-per-view his uh, Jerry's wild inconsistencies <laughs> in uh, in his um, you know, comment, in, his, in his commentary uh, we get a line from Jerry saying it takes a real man to wear makeup in referring to Goldust but if you were to wear a dress like Taka Michinoku, you're not allowed. <laughs> so makeup is fine, but if you're a man, especially an Asian man, and you want to wear a dress, you can fuck off. Well, I was going to say, I've noticed particularly since uh, King of the Ring and Fully Loaded, Jerry Lawler is chilled out. Yeah, with he has. Yeah, granted, the he uh, has recurring Jerry goddamn Lawler segments on this podcast have basically petered out a Died good to deal. Died death, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm not sure what it is if he was told to kind of, hey, lay off the minorities. Be, <laughs> don't be a racist sexist creep uh, but he's doing it but uh, two rest holes in a five minute match screams to me something someone doesn't know the match a five minute match of Shamrock and Goldust as well these two guys don't need rest holes yeah it's, it's quite silly yeah. we do get some nice uh, you know we got a really sick monkey flip reversal into a drop toe hold as yeah, well nice. uh, really another uh, big power bomb reversal as well there is some good stuff here the match is just very badly paced Shattered Dreams attempt from Goldust uh, Ken throws the referee in the way and then pops on the ankle lock Beats yep. Goldust, so Ken Shamrock advancing, and you can tell from the end of this match he is gassed already. Already, he's, he's exerted up. all his yeah. energy. He is sweating like Tess on his wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I really wanted Goldust to progress. Me too. Yeah, it'd have been I nice. really um, wanted to. Uh, given the reaction that man got at the last pay per view, I think they're foolish. Goldust, this is now him just petering out. Basically. It's a sadness when you see Goldust fight once tonight in the night where there's so many goddamn matches. Yeah, he really could. I mean, he could have been a. Uh, you could have been like the number three face if they just, you know, they tried. Easily. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, Cole provides an update on Austin, which he, li- he literally, he talks, and noise comes out of his mouth, but he doesn't say anything. And the big question is, will Stone Cold Steve Austin be ready for his semi-final matchup? Now, true to his form, Stone Cold Steve Austin has refused medical attention, although many of the doctors back here say that he needs it. And all I can tell you is this. If I know Stone Cold Steve Austin, he will indeed find a way to make it out for his semi-final matchup. Nothing very, very interesting. Oh yeah, The Rock taking on Triple H. Uh, Triple H, who has literally been MIA since... Forgot he was uh, gone. Yeah. 
Since SummerSlam, the only time we saw him was when Ken Shamrock battered his leg with a car door yeah, and yeah. nicked his intercontinental belt. So The Rock comes out so over with the yeah. fans. Cut Big to uh, cut to a, a fat bloke in the audience dressed as a chef because he's uh, properly smelling what The Rock is cooking. <laughs> the lamest just, outfit. Just, just fat bloke and a wearing chef this hat shitty little chef little hat apron. that says The Rock on it. Do you imagine him like going home? Just like sitting in a room, and it's just Venetian blinds, just him on his own in this room, and there's just moonlight coming in, and he's dressed up as a chef on his own, and just like one tear goes out his cheek. Jesus. <laughs> Can you smell what I'm cooking? Sadness. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we got, uh, you know, The Rock basically, you know, is. You know the people's champion. It's really his feud with McMahon is really intensified, kind mm. of uh, over the past few weeks. Triple H, it hadn't been not sight nor sound had been seen of him. So straight away you smell a rat. So you doubly smell a rat when Patterson and Briscoe come out doing the suckus. That's not Triple Triple H. That's yeah, the fucking Stooges. That is the Stooges doing the worst crotch chops ever. However, even though the Stooges are like halfway down the ramp, Howard Finkel is still introducing Triple H from Greenwich, Connecticut, and you can hear Jerry Lawler <laughs> going, "Keep it down now, Finkel." Earth to Howard Finkel, get out of the ring! <laughs> Taking the piss out of him. Duh. Yeah, they're proper beat him. Pat Patterson going suck it has a particularly dark poignancy to it. Yeah. <laughs> Briscoe comes in, grabs the mic. Serious knee surgery. Mr. McMahon has asked me to make the next announcement. Mr. McMahon has informed me that Triple H is not here tonight. Huh? Therefore... Triple H will not wrestle. Mr. McMahon also told me that he sent tickets to Triple H several weeks ago and he was informed to be here. But Triple H chose not to show tonight. Therefore, Mr. McMahon has told me that I can find Triple H very heavily once he returns. Master Mike, man. <laughs> Ma- Master Mike, if you want to know the secret of Banjo Mountain, follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking tutorial given gopher on a N64 platformer over here. <laughs> hey guys, if you press A and Z, you can do a special combo move. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking goon. <laughs> so basically, you know, they... Uh, they, they go on a bit, the two of them. They reveal that The Rock will be taking on the loser of the match a few uh, matches ago, which was the big boss man. Yeah, he's yeah. back. The Rock versus boss man. Boss man coming out again, looking insanely badass. Yeah. At the last minute to replace Triple H. And there he is, the big boss man. The big boss man's already been eliminated, for goodness sakes. This McMahon changing the rules as we go along here. This is McMahon's self-appointed bodyguard, the head of McMahon's security force, the Big Boss Man. (laughs) Well, with Mr. McMahon, no good deeds go unpunished. Well, this is not fair. Well, The Rock, he's got the roadblock in front of us, the Big Boss Man, and The Rock, wait a minute, inside Cradle Ken. No way! Yes! Yes! Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? What? Oh, yeah! rolled up within yeah. four seconds four seconds a new record at the time I do believe me and you were looking at a compilation of the shortest matches ever this is not the shortest match in WWF history but at the time it, it, it did take the record I do believe there is a three second match um, involving Santina Morella 
three seconds. Three seconds. So as it's in just a pinball. Ding, ding, ding. One, two, three. Ding, ding, ding. It's like <laughs> the opening of a shit drum and bass song. Um, <laughs> we cut to Jerry Lawler, and straight away, something has gone wrong. There's, there's obviously been a last-minute change here. Yeah. Jerry Lawler's got a piece of paper in his hand. Right now, when I see my two wrestling commentators slight me up for the show, I want them, you know, looking at the camera, smiling, yeah. you know, you know, being characters. I don't want to see a confused fat man holding a piece of paper and just going... His eyebrows raised, looking through his paperwork, trying to figure out what's going on. What's he doing? His taxes, like? <laughs> and then JR explains clearly the entire bracket, like, and then, oh, so you know, The Rock's going to advance through to the next round now, and he explains everything, lays it out, and then King just goes... JR, can you explain this bracket to me? I appear to have lost mine. <laughs> Jim Ross is like, look at the monitor, you dolt. Like, you know. But anyway, uh, he's, he's so confused. Poor L. Jerry. Undertaker taking on Kane. Again. Again. Whose side are they on? Who cares? <laughs> Just so we know, we're now into the quarterfinals. So McMahon. 15 minute matches. Yes. yes. McMahon, which they really don't emphasize that at all. They really. say it once, I think, yeah. as, it, as they're going into it. McMahon gave both of these guys a bye to the quarterfinals. You think, oh, why is he helping the guys who, you know, have broke his ankle and screwed him over? Yeah. Uh, he's doing it because he wants them to face off against each other because he, he wants Get to. Get them both uh, out of the way. I think McMahon's real vendetta is against the fans because he knows this is the surefire way to piss off people. <laughs> Undertaker versus Kane, part 26 million. Good God. How many times could you milk this horse? Well, it's different now, though, because Undertaker's got that new big jacket on, so it's a He's got his fancy character. new coat. Yeah. Yeah, we're going on saying the Undertaker now is saying he's formed the ministry. He's forming the ministry. Paul Bears with him. Complete satanic evil now. They're like, Undertaker has unveiled a new side to his persona. Uh, fancier coat like. he's got big a Cruella de Vil coat made of bats <laughs> <laughs> he's got a proper big collar on his coat JR talks about Undertaker and Bearer like they're a couple he says they were together for six years before their separation and now they're happily back together again and uh, happily back together the Undertaker and Paul Bearer they were on a break it's happy all I'm saying happy to not come into it Undertaker comes out his title card literally appears for half a second <laughs> it goes back and it goes away there it is Undertaker up, up. Adam, you are a massive Kane fan. Yes. Now, this, even though this is a very tedious match, this is quite a significant moment in the fact that for the first time ever, Kane is a face. And also, for the first time ever, Kane doesn't have his big brother or Paul Bear. Kane is on his own. Completely alone, yeah. So what do you, what do you make of this development? Well, to be honest, I love the idea of Kane being by himself and being a face because it means you know he'll hopefully get a bit more of a push at some point mm. and the crowd will be on his side at least so he'll become more featured. But in this match, he gets treated like a complete and utter dope. Yeah. And it really pissed me off the ending to this match. You get some really cool stuff happening over the next few months, particularly around the time of the Rumble, where it's Kane just basically kind of... It's like, will you cook dinner for me? <laughs> <laughs> my, fa himself. my father hit me with a chair and I don't know how to use the stove. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, we're, we're getting a lot of that. Like, So it's like Kane, like he's kind of he's going too far. There's no one to tell him, hey, stop. Yeah. Really interesting. They tried to do that with Umaga, actually, when uh, Armando Estrada was gone for a bit and they never really followed through. I with generally it. forgot that Umaga was a thing. But I, I love the idea oh. of a big monster who's always had like a handler and for whatever reason, the handler's gone and now he's like... What do I do? I don't know what's yeah. going on. Like it's really cool. But again, given the fact that we apparently have wild shifts in character, Kane is on his own. He's like meant to be, you know, a fish out of water. Undertaker is meant to have a new dark persona, completely different from before. 
these two have the same fucking match that they, they always had. do. They had the match they had at Judgment Day scaled down to around ten minutes, and the, that's the match that the crowd chanted "boring" in the main event for. Yeah, with Steve Austin in the ring. Would someone not go to them? Maybe change it up a bit, guys. You know. You'd think. Honestly, I don't get who thinks this is still entertaining. I don't understand. The only time the this this really works this this combo this it was at WrestleMania 14 because it was the first time, and then at the Inferno match because it was, it was an Inferno spectacle. match. Yeah. You can't just. I've really it overdone it. It's not. Yeah. It's not like you know. This isn't Dolph Ziggler, Kofi Kingston. You can't just roll it out to fill up time. It should be special. You shouldn't have these two guys fighting each other at every pay per view. And at Raw as well. And if you're going to keep doing this match over and over again, let Kane win. Just let him have one. Because like the, the way this match finishes is Kane does a big sloppy, horrible chokeslam on either Taker. Yeah, Taker really struggles to get Taker, up for it. He, well, he gets up like two seconds straight, straight away afterwards. Like doesn't sell it at all. Turns Kane around. Tombstone pile driver. One, two, three. Kane yeah. gets beaten like that. Compared to WrestleMania, we've three. just seen him get beat in ten minutes. Yeah, just clean, nothing else. May, going may on. at least better than Mayhem in Manchester. He, he lasted, he lasted like less time than the Honky Tonk Man against the Ultimate Warrior in that. <laughs> <laughs> and while we're talking about this as well, besides his victory over Vader, can mm. you name me a single Kane win that we've had on pay per view since we started this podcast? Uh, a clean victory. The first blood match doesn't count. He didn't beat Austin. He beat Vader, and that's the only person I think he's beat so far. He beat Mankind on Raw. You know, he he he. he... On pay per view, though. On pay per view, no. no, no, it's terrible. He's meant think... to be a monster, and he's just been getting booked like this, where he keeps losing week, uh, month after month. It's it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's really like uh, Ryback in a sense. Isn't really it? Like, like Ryback. That being said, though, you never got the sense at the time that he was, you know, oh, he's he's lost his luster. No, but I mean, it's just because obviously. We're 21st century fans looking back mm. on this now, so it's quite obvious. looking back, it's obvious that Kane just they didn't properly have anything to do with him. I don't think that's true. Just left him with the Undertaker for far too long. For, no, as I said, we were sick of it like three episodes ago. Yeah, so yeah. Like, still going on. And for them to fucking have the galls to like you know to tease again with the whose side is he on business yeah. later is ridiculous. But anyway, more quarterfinal action coming up, preempting their literary battles, which would happen in years to come. It's mankind taking on Al Snow. Uh, these guys had actually been tagging briefly for a time before this, kind of a real like weird comedy tag team with right. you know Al having head and Foley having Socko. McMahon basically plotted because he knew that he was going to have Mankind as his guy. The plot was that he made it out that um, Snow had stolen Mr. Socko, so he wrapped Mr. Socko around head, and Al Snow wouldn't let him go. So when Foley like finds out that Snow has taken Socko, it gives him the killer edge. Like it's like yeah, you know making mental. him make him sex mad and retard strong when he's going. <laughs> 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 and he's coming. Wow. That's Clerks 2 reference there. Anyway, these guys come out and they brawl to the outside. How, take a shot on this episode every time I say they brawl to the outside. Yeah. Every single match they do it, I think. Take a shot every time there's some officiating that doesn't make sense. We had that weird count out earlier where we didn't even hear him counting. And then we, we had a face plant right onto a chair, right in yeah. front of the referee. Not just to move onto a chair, Snow picks up a chair and hits Mankind in the stomach with it at one point. Referee's literally watching it happen. It's a shame. And you get a point now as well. The crowd is dead because you have just been... I wouldn't call these a bad crowd. They do I, react. I, I say they're a fairly decent they're crowd. A good they're good they're not, they're, not, they're not the best we've had so far on the podcast. It's like, you know, it's like when, you, good. when you hear these, like, you know, like these TNA Impact tapings where they do two episodes back to back and it's like, you know, just non-stop matches over yeah. three hours which gets cut up at a later date. It's like... 
here for these people it's like they've got you know they five hours probably to sit through in total with all the prelim shit and yeah. all that and it's just match 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 no match no kind of time to you know chant asshole at Vince no kind of fun promos it's just match 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 and it kills the crowd um, it's it's quite horrible um, yeah we had a little bit of exposition cutting back to Vince and the Stooges talking about you know Socko being uh, stolen by by Vince to use on yeah. snow Mankind is referred to as a pawn by Jim Ross, which is they get the sense here that even though Mankind is Vince's guy, you do feel very sorry for him. Yeah, in this. it's the most sympathetic well, I've ever. Well, I've ever we felt do, for him. but I don't think that the crowd does. The crowd no, the do. Crowd... Cha- they cha- They they're confused. They are literally split with Mick. I think on this pay per view yeah. at times, it's quite strange. But like when he gets Socko, he, he finally gets Socko off head in the match. And the crowd go, go mental, yeah. and I love like Foley gets to suck, and it's like he's reunited yeah. with an old friend. It's fucking awesome, and he he puts head in the headlock, and he stomps out of it. He puts the boots to him. Absolutely brilliant. Hits the double arm and puts Mr. Socko on for Al Snow. King loses his words when he puts on the sock because mankind just puts on like the dirty old sock, and King goes, "Oh, look at that." <laughs> is that grunge of the night? <laughs> Not was quite, he trying to say glove then sucks so he said glad just said glad I don't know he's just disgusted I think look at that oh I gay <laughs> yeah it's so weird to see Mick Foley win with Mr. Socko isn't it yeah do you want to talk about the move that's been gone for the most like is up there with the Dominator Mick yeah. Foley since 2005 I don't think he's ever act- you know <laughs> the sock comes out a lot but no one sells it but uh, yeah cool to see Mick Foley pick up another win and a clean win really yeah. which is awesome alright now moving on another quarterfinal match Ken Shamrock taking on The Rock Ken Shamrock coming out and I think to myself has he been swimming he is <laughs> drenched in sweat isn't he he looks like uh, you know, Ahmed Johnson used to come out he just was douse a fucking bucket of water over himself <laughs> thinking he looks it's ridiculous Ken is he's tired yeah, he's oh, big tired. He is sucking in air so badly. He's proper natural. on the way to the ring. Yeah, so it's him taking on the Rock, kind of a rematch from your WrestleMania and King of the Ring. Yeah, roles are reversed though. Rock being a face, Shamrock being a heel. Rock takes control early on. One thing I wanted to discuss briefly: uh, the Rock's uh, stomps when people are on the ground. He's kind of like shakes his leg out. He and shakes, then... like he's trying to get rid of some, you know, dust yeah. on his shoe. What are those? I don't know. I remember my friend once likened it to if you've shit yourself and you've got to try and shake a turd out of your trouser <laughs> leg or something. That's what he's doing with his leg whenever he does a stomp. I have nothing else to uh, offer for that, though. I don't think I can I top that, so... Um, yeah. Shamrock literally looks wasted. He knocks the rock to the outside. Oh, there's that word again. Yeah. Yeah. He Throws. literally turns to the camera and he's like... <sighs> yeah. He throws uh, the rock into the stairs so hard. Oh, it's brutal. Uh, there's a it? lot. There's a lot of stair shots in this um, pay per view of the yeah. whole. People well, getting chucked everyone... left, right, and centre into the same stairs. If you go to the outside, you're going to. You're going to the. I stairs. Mean, every match you go. And every match you go to the outside. So good lord. But I mean... again, like Shamrock, just not having a great night here because he's already blown up and he's shouting so blatantly. Bellowing spots. spots. Yeah, he's Ken Cena. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the champ is done. <laughs> no, literally, he he grabs the rock. You know, puts him in the headlock. Goes. What are we? What are we gonna do now? And then he picks him up, picks up the rock, literally has his hands on his shoulders, and goes Russian leg sweep. And he does the Russian. I mean, come on, like, is that your gimmick? He's really off tonight. Really off. Uh, Bossman appears again. He's lost twice in this paper. Well, he, yeah, he's lost twice his pay per view so far, and he's still a badass. Can't get rid of him. He come. Imagine anyone who loses twice and comes out. People are like, oh, look at this clan. It's like people are like, oh shit, it's the Bossman. Yeah, he's still scary. You know, still, still scary. Very cool. Um, 
Hurricane Rana. I think I've coined the term for that now. Hurricane Rana. Hurricane Rana. Get the ankle lock Ken has on the on the rock. His face. It's terrible, isn't it? Because like normally he's got the ankle lock on and he's screaming and he looks really yeah. angry and intense. But he's so tied here, he's just going. Just yawning. Like, eyes wide open. <laughs> <laughs> we will screen. We will screen cap that. Put it up on the Twitter. Yeah, it's amazing. The Rock reaches the ropes. You know, at last. Ken, oddly, you know, he's meant to be a heel. Let's go as soon as he reaches the ropes. You know? Yeah. What about a bit of psychology there? Keep him in for the four. Anyway, get a people's elbow, which is so over with the crowd now. Yeah, so over. Despite Mick Foley's noteworthy objections earlier on, thinking that it was the most ridiculous move ever and it would not get over. I, no I don't. Should, I don't so. like it as a move that much I think now it's too long yeah. I have a thing of really long finishes it's like Scotty Too Hot it's more uh, the worm I can't towards the it. end though when the rock once the rock like in 2000 when he's like the guy it's just it's such a spectacle like you know, it's honestly it's, one of these things where I know it's completely rose tinted glasses because it's just an elbow drop it's nothing special I've, yeah, I've never but as a kid I thought it was the coolest thing yeah. like, oh he throws his elbow pad into the audience and he like runs around he builds up all this energy I thought it was amazing only The Rock could make that look cool oh yeah because yeah, oh, yeah. you I would describe what you just said there is like it's like the most goofy ass thing yeah. ever you know it's like something the you know the blue meanie would do like it'd be a real goofy <laughs> wind up for a move but yeah a rock makes it work I suppose we get a counter the rock just counters straight into a, into a rock bottom and Shamrock goes for a clothesline he so pulls him back Boom, plants him. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Boss Man here tosses the nice stick and the rock in just absolutely brilliant football experience coming Picture in there. perfect. Catches it. Whacks Shamrock. One, two, three. Absolutely awesome ending to this match. That was a proper match. Eddie Guerrero finish to the match. Definitely. Definitely. Really cool. And this is anybody's ball game. And what is the Boss Man doing? <laughs> what a match, JR. I can't believe it. Oh, look out! Like a glove, yeah. he catches that thing. Rocky wins and advances to the semi-finals. Decent match. Mickey Cole is joined by a parade float. Sorry, Paul Bearer. So the phenom, The Undertaker, gets the people's champion, The Rock, in the semi-finals, Paul Bearer. The only rock that my Undertaker likes is a nice piece of cold, hard granite that he carves the names of his victims on. Tonight, my phenom will walk out of this building as the WWF champion. <laughs> Seriously, did you see him in this? He's a little big, yeah. He's a little? Side. He takes up the whole fucking screen. <laughs> we know where Vader's gone. Paul Bearer's eating him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like... I'm telling you, it's easiest if you ever want to eat something. The easiest time to do it is seemingly when they've got low self-esteem. Like yeah. I'm not good. No, you're all right. Sneak no, no, up no, no, no. on him when he's <laughs> sneak up on him when he's throwing up in the toilet. Like, <laughs> <grand. laughs> no, you leave Vader alone. Come on, I'm sick of this. Imagine him eating. I him. like Vader. Eating well, you don't like, show it. <laughs> eating him like a snake would. You know? oh. <laughs> Unhinging his jaw and just like, feet first. Basically, you know, Bear is just saying Undertaker's going to win. It's time to take a break from the deadly games because it's time for the. Women's Championship match: Sable taking on the champ Jacqueline. 
guys, prepare yourselves for the last pay-per-view appearance of Mark Marrow. So here I am with my thoughts of you. Oh, yes! Yes! Thanks. God, it's over! Yes! <laughs> it's been a long time coming. You know how I feel about Mark Miro leaving the podcast? You know at the end of Return of the King, when the Eye of Sauron explodes, and truly see the evil wash away from the land. Not, yeah, and all the, uh, the, get the earthquake and all the ground All the ground into... falls through. All the people with Sable 469 shirts falling <laughs> into the collapsy bit, like... It's an amazing feeling. Mark Miro is no longer going to darken our podcast. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. Oh, good lord. I'm just, I'm so happy to see him gone. We're going to do a video tribute to Mark as well. Leave the memories alone. You know what I love about Mark Miro leaving so much? Sable leaves for a period of time after this, right? Oh, How long? She's, oh, she leaves for maybe two months because she wants to pursue other projects. She was doing Playboy, she had a couple of TV movies, blah, blah, blah. Mero left to support her, right? Now later on, when Mero was still under contract, keep in mind, later on apparently then, when Sable was involved, you know, these contract renegotiations and the lawsuit thing that came up for sexual harassment of all things, she she was basically like, you know, um, you know, she, she was about to be let like, go or whatever. Mark Mero was like, well, if you get rid of her, you have to get rid of me. And it's got rid of him as well. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the ass on the way out, Mero. <laughs> Sable and Jacqueline, this is not the first time they've squared off in one-on-one -on -one competition. I do. I might as well mention this now. On the VHS rips that I've been watching of these um, of these Raws, it is you know they were recorded live off the telly in you know in the nineties. Yeah. So sometimes you know if something inconsequential is happening, a guy will switch over to Nitro, which I always find is quite funny. I mean, like you know, if you've got a boring segment or a match, you'll switch over and see Ric Flair going, me, <laughs> you know. But here's an amazing one. Sable and Jacqueline had fought each other in a lingerie. It was a, sorry, it was an evening gown match yeah. on Raw, and you know clearly the throwaway women's match or whatever. The guy starts flicking over to Nitro, and what's on on Nitro? But the incredibly emotional. I don't know if you saw in the Ric Flair documentary when after Flair had been like basically been told by Eric Bischoff in real life that you know I'm going to make you homeless and poor and you're never going to work in this business again. Flair finally returns after being like an exodus oh, of the like, six months. Reunion. With the four horsemen. They're yeah. all the horsemen are there. They're all wearing tux, dressed to the nines. The lights are down. Flair comes out. It's it's Carolina. You know, it's Greensboro. Yeah. Amazing reaction. So this guy is like, oh shit, this is happening. Clicks back. You see the two ladies rolling around in the ring there. Uh, Jacqueline has a wardrobe uh, malfunction and her boobs are basically coming out of her dress. Cuts back and Ric Flair going, Eric Bischoff, you're a liar, you're a scamp. Cuts back, it's two ladies rolling around in the ring. <laughs> Cuts back, you're a no good son of a bitch. Cuts back, two ladies rolling around. So, so he'd rather just carry on watching the lingerie match. Well, right? what I like to think was happening was that he's like, right, obviously what's happening on Nitro is one of the most important pivotal shoot moments in the history of wrestling. But well, on the other end, I've got a chubby and I'm having a bit of a toss. <laughs> so I like to think that he was simultaneously looking back to Ric Flair to perhaps <laughs> elongate the masturbation experience. So I want to try masturbating now with Ric Flair going, <laughs> You're a liar! You're a scam! And then Eric Bishop going, like, You're history! You're out of here! And it's like, it's just the most weird thing ever. 
Anyway, Sable and Jacqueline have a lot to live up to in this contest. Yeah. Can we just? I'm surprised that uh, Sable survived the hit and run um, <laughs> drive by. Sable, who's basically been shot to bits, yeah, really, yeah. coming out here. Uh, Shane McMahon is the lowly referee in the storyline because it's what Shane, he deserves. It's what he deserves <laughs> because, uh, as we know from previous podcasts, there's nothing worse in this world than being the referee. Uh, is the lowest of the low. Especially but, in a match that involves Miro, Sable and Jacqueline. True. Unless you're Howard Finkel, in which case everyone seems to hate you for no apparent reason. Mark Mero, who looks like a baddie from Waterworld here, which <laughs> <laughs> one of the smokers. But yeah, Sable and Jacqueline roll around for a bit, you know, Mark Merrow tries to interfere. He gets powerbombed on the outside. Oh, it's the worst powerbomb. That is the last image. On the outside, Mark Merrow gets powerbombed. That's how we're going to remember him, is his spine getting folded in half by Sable. Sable reverses Jackie's uh, Tornado DDT. Sable bomb. Jackie is wearing Sable's hair, by the way. He just looks absolutely awful. Fucking stupid. Sable wins and then disappears for a few months. (laughs) Takes the Women's Championship with her. It's over. Don't come back. Yuck. Mankind taking on Steve Austin. We are back in the Deadly Game Tournament. Here we go now. We're through to a semi-final match now. Yes. Austin begins straight away by stripping Mankind, as is the rules of the Brawl and Panties Deadly Game Tournament. (laughs) What colour panties is Mankind wearing? (laughs) Get a uh, a sign straight away. Stoner 420 sign. Come on. Rob Van Dam is literally wrestling in ECW at the same time, and you couldn't think to put his name at the start of that. (laughs) RVD 420 says, I smoked your ass. It's common knowledge. Common knowledge. (laughs) Idiot. Stooges and Vince come out very early on. Uh, we get you know Mankind basically dominating the match. Austin, however, fires up. An amazing moment. Austin goes for the stunner like five minutes in. And Foley just darts out of the ring. He yeah. runs as fast yeah. as he can to the other end. And the Stooges have to calm him down. And they're like, no, <laughs> it'll love, be fine. He's adorable in this match, Mick Foley. Because he's like really a scared funny. child. Yeah, it's cool. It's a really nice dynamic. Different to when he fought his dude love against Austin. Oh, totally different. You know? Yeah. Austin slowly beats uh, Mankind up in a manner that basically he beats Mankind out of his clothes if that makes yeah. sense the the trousers get treacherously lower and lower as the uh, as the night continues and we get constant shots of Vince McMahon looking concerned uh, <laughs> another weird moment as well double arm DDT onto a chair no DQ but yeah. uh, a great two count but no I'd say it, it, it's a great match you know, we're, we're breezing yeah. through it here we have a lot of matches to get through but you know more more great stuff from these guys as usual we get a stunner but McMahon gets, suddenly gets healed rises from the wheelchair and breaks up the count with the referee yeah. so, pulls you know, the ref out the ring pulls him out mandible claw with his pants down around his ankles. <laughs> very, very strange thing to see. Austin, however, gets another stunner. And we're thinking, that's it. Austin's two stunners of mankind. Shane McMahon yeah. bolts out to the ring. Shane O'Mac comes out. And here we go. It's big time swerve. McMahon just... Mankind's about out of his pants. He got you there, Steve. You've been swerved. Uh, that there is one of my favourite like swerves ever. Just Shane McMahon being so brazen. I yeah. like it, but it's it immediately goes downhill because Shane runs out of the ring scared. Mm. 
then Austin goes, puts one leg out of the ring, and he's pointing at Shane, and then just stands there. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. He just stands still. There's clearly some miscommunication. Goes over to the corner with Mankind, has a bit of a chat. Yeah. <laughs> and then Briscoe, for whatever reason, hits Austin with a chair. He fucking bleeds the shit out of him yeah. with it. And we get Mankind wins. Austin again, laid out. Yeah. Twice. And it's then crazy. the best part is McMahon and all the Stooges literally skip backstage. They would just skip away merrily. Jim Ross, the says uh, Jim Ross says they're skipping gaily back to uh, where they came <laughs> from. So yeah, a little light jog. They all get in a limo, drive off. Austin GTA, some poor jabroni gets his... Yeah. his, his Carjacker 316. I, I can't tell you how surprised I was at the finish. Oh really? Did you? So yeah, Billy, because I mean... You obviously know Shane McMahon as a character in the greater context, yeah. but in terms of, did you know what was going to happen here? Did Not you at suspect? all. Uh, genuinely, just from where, and I, I'm guessing a lot of people would have uh, thought the same as me, from where the brackets were and where The Undertaker was and where uh, Austin was, I thought this finale's this final's going to be Undertaker versus Austin. Because, yeah, yeah. it's going to be boring as shit. Mm. I reckon and, that was the intention, was to set it up so it looks like it's going that And I completely fell for it, and it... The, it got pulled, you know. Yeah, the Shane McMahon is a heel, though. That's pretty. I uh, genuinely, I, I genuinely nearly stood up. Fuck's <laughs> <laughs> like, sake! Damn it, Shane! Damn Brilliant. Shane, like. No, I mean, you can do. You, I mean, again, this is Vince Russo writing 101. The swerve, like you know, mm. he's think one thing, you know, and something else happens. It works, you know. Yeah. It can oh, yeah. work. If you execute it well. The problem is, is if you do like. Every week, there's something like this happening. It Back becomes a problem. We don't really get too much into it, but you can see where this style of kind of car crash riding, where it's like everything you thought, you know, fuck that, it's wrong. Now something else has happened. You know, that can really hinder the stories a bit. And that we get that a little bit in '99, where it just gets a little too fucking crazy at, at yeah, times yeah. with this kind of storytelling. So, I mean, I'm a fan of this kind of stuff. I like being. You know, shocked, but I don't want to be shocked in a kind of a redundant, in a confusing form. yeah, way in a confusing as well. way. It should make sense. This does make sense, really, when you think it about works. it. So uh, yeah, we got uh, Austin seemingly now driving around wearing his pants, uh, <laughs> which is a very strange sight, I would imagine. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler discuss the uh, screwery that we just saw, and again, I think they're buying time because they're just kind of like, well, "What happened? I, 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 I don't know. What you know?" I didn't hear anything they said because I was too distracted. Right behind Jerry the King Lawler, there was a fan with a sign. I had to, I had to pause it just to read what it says because it says uh, it's an Al Snow sign. It says, "What does everybody want? Tits in giant <laughs> just tits on this sign." For fuck's sake! Is Grow that? Up. I uh, well, I, I mean, come on. I mean, we had paedophile sign at Judgment Day I suppose it's Titch not Ed everyone loves Titch (laughs) okay here we go our other semi-final it is The Undertaker taking on The Rock just when The Undertaker was coming at this time I just noticed I love the set here the big skull the enormous with the Deadly deadly Games thing tattooed on it that's bloody awesome man really cool so cool The Undertaker comes out with uh, with big old Paul Bear do you smell what The Rock is cooking? And Paul Bear's like, I hope it is a substantial meal. <laughs> <laughs> Very early on, you can tell the crowd is they're, fucking... They're done now. They're knackered. Yeah, they're burnt out. You've had a, you've had a screw job, right? A big, huge swerve. You can't go into... Left. You can't go into The Undertaker versus The Rock after yeah. that. That's insane. There's no pacing whatsoever. It's, uh, give a guess what, lads. They brawl outside. Yeah. I am beginning to notice a trend here. Uh, boss man comes out I am beginning to notice this trend here come on this the, is a um, shit match I, there's, I'm gonna there's say. A, a sign uh, I had to pause it several times to actually read it it, uh, it said bearer rules 
But right. I had to pause it because I kept thinking it said beaver rules and it kept coming onto my... Oh, I saw that. I think it did say beaver rules. No, I think it was bearer. Right, okay. I think it was bearer. But I couldn't quite tell either way because beaver rules sounds very much like a sign of the time. Well, I think no, it's more realistic that it would be beaver rules. No, I was going to say that it might have been uh, beaver cleavage who could be debuting any month now, but I believe that's not till 1999. Right. And judging from the stony-faced, disgusted looks <laughs> on your eyes, you're not going to enjoy beaver cleavage. Sounds like he's going to be a right treat. Not even Beaver Cleavage enjoyed Beaver Cleavage. <laughs> Brawl on the outside. Slow match. Crowd is dead. Um, they not do Bearer much. slaps this... a rock with a shoe. Yeah. yeah. What is that? Bearer shouldn't get physically involved ever. He looks too comical when yeah. he does. Especially you know. not with a big mean man like the rock as well. It's yeah. silly. Undertaker. He wouldn't pick a fight with the Undertaker rock. does not need a man to hit a not man for him. He's know? not Tennessee it's... Lee. The rock goes to the people's elbow. Bossman distracts him and Taker sits up out of the people's elbow, which is pretty cool. And in a fitting moment of, oh yeah, uh, we get Undertaker nailing the big boss man, because this yeah. is a thing which you're going to have to get very used to, gentlemen, which is the fact is, Undertaker is the personification of evil. Big boss man is the personification of evil. But just because that is the case, they're still not on the same side. Yeah. Modern day wrestling, it's a given. If they, if guys are faces and heels, they're automatically teamed they're up. They're grouped together. The corporation, which was de- debuted the night after this, and the ministry, which is slowly being formed at the moment, two big, massive supergroups, all heels, and they're feuding with each other. That's cool. It is cool, but in terms of how does the crowd react mm. to that? Yeah, who are you supposed to cheer for? Crowd goes, yay, when Undertaker hits Bossman. They're like, yay, he hits the Bossman. But wait, you said you're Satan the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Boo. You know, a little bit confusing. We'll get to that right? further down the road. Kane comes out. Choke slams the rock. Whose side is he on? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Come on. How many fucking times... Like, Seriously? Yeah, I'm. I'm just done. I'm done. This. Yeah, I'm done Nothing with this. Else to say. I quit. I quit. That <laughs> quit. That quit. <laughs> Kane and Undertaker ambiguous relationship forever. <laughs> forever. In this match, I realised. I don't know about you guys, but it suddenly dawned on me. The last few months of the Attitude Era we've been doing, I think Undertaker has been so underwhelming. I haven't been really impressed by the Undertaker for a very long time. Now I actually sit back and think about it. Mm. I get this whole thing like, oh, but he's the Undertaker. You know, you can't say anything bad about the Undertaker. But actually looking at it, I can't remember the last time the Undertaker impressed me in one of these pay-per-views we've been doing. King of the Ring, obviously. Well, obviously King of the Ring, but that was more that we were impressed SummerSlam, I, I still stand by SummerSlam. Uh, I stand by him in that because of Austin being uh, being knocked out, as we mentioned in that podcast. I think, no, I... I I'm just growing tired of The Undertaker at the minute. I think His pay-per-view appearances have been underwhelming. Well, you've yes. been watching Raw. That's the difference. Yeah, I think if you if you got the Raw, he just, him and him and Kane have a, they do a lot of badass stuff on Raw. Yeah. yeah, They're always like just running out, killing guys. Anytime you think, oh, he might be a bit shit, if he just kills a couple of jobbers, you think he's he rules the roost. So. Right. I do accept, though, this is a very bad night for both The Undertaker and Kane. Yeah, very bad. But yeah, then Kane goes after The Undertaker... He chokeslams The Rock just to disqualify oh. Taker, and then that'll piss him off more. It, how many of these, for a tournament with, you know, 16-man tournament, how many of these, like, screwy kind of, We've like, had, like, two clean finishes, I think. It is the least linear tournament yeah. ever. It's, yeah. good lord, it's it's like All screwball scramble as opposed to a tournament. <laughs> like Second shock for me. Because, as I said before, you final, think... for me, final for me, Austin versus Undertaker. Because mm. oh, that's yeah. always what it fucking is. And 
but you know now it wasn't and I was so <laughs> surprised well Rock is doing well for a man who lost to Mark Henry the week before uh... <laughs> let's be also this was just in kayfabe terms why is the Rock in the tournament and Mark Henry not in the tournament considering Mark Henry pinned him cleanly apparently well considering the Rock won a number one contenders match Christ knows how long ago and never got followed up on I think he's earned a spot in the tournament they did kind of like try and work that into the, in, into an angle and saying that oh Vince is like just holding back on it and screwing around with him but they literally just forgot about it like yeah. you know it was silly Mickey Cole backstage with Mickey Foley. The only thing that's particularly memorable about this, again, it's just none of these like bland, yeah. you know, cutscene fucking promos. Uh, he says, "If you smell what the sock is cooking," and immediately, pop. immediately after, Michael Cole pulls the best face. Yeah, and Foley stares at him just too long. You know, it's just <laughs> creepy. Um, Cole just turns to the camera and just, just I, I can't. It's even like a shrug, isn't it? It's, it's like, it's like, like your guess is good as mine, folks. <laughs> that's nutty. Yeah. <laughs> Who else but mankind? <laughs> okay, this is a real rough one. Can we really match. speak right, through no, this no, match? Oh, well, I'm, I've got something big to say about this match. <laughs> Please go ahead, towards Billy, the end. I have little... All right, no, the end. All right, this is going to be a tough one to get through. It's New Age Outlaws defending the belts against the Headbangers and D'Lo and Mark Henry yeah. in a triple threat uh, tag match. Now, usually I hate these matches because you've got two guys in the ring and anyone from any team can tag in. Yeah. This match, they've done it that there's three men in the ring at any given time. So it's always a triple threat. It's fucking ludicrous. It's a clusterfuck of This a match. is the most clustered, unorganized, uh, absolute throwaway match. It doesn't work. Not even D'Lo Brown can make this work and that's nah. saying something. Yeah. Now, I did something I did want to mention briefly because I, I assume they're experimenting with this format following a very weird logic hole which they exploited with the New Age Outlaws a while back. Um, this is when Undertaker and Austin were losing the belts and Kane and Mankind as well. New Age Outlaws picked them up at one point. It was a similar kind of triple threat, four corners, lots of different teams. Only two men could tag in at any given time. Road Dog was tagged in, and then one of the other guys tagged in Billy Gunn. So Billy Gunn and the Road Dog were the two legal men. They looked at each other, the referee was like, you better fight. And Jim Ross was like, you're damn right they better fight. They're both legal men. And Billy Gunn lets Road Dog roll them up. One, two, three, and they win the match. For fuck's <laughs> sake. Oh, my God. And uh, <laughs> Holy shit. The I can't believe you do this to me. <laughs> that, my friends, is the stupidest finish in the history of wrestling. That is absurd. And I don't care what anyone says in terms of head, heads on shoulders, uh-uh. That, that is, is the stupidest. A grown man pinning his tag team partner in a match to win the match for that tag team. Unbelievable. Okay, Jim. Cor- Imagine Jim Cornette was backstage. He was a backstage guy. He'd have uh, killed a man. He literally. There is if there's a if there's a few dead bodies from 1998 <laughs> around the location. It was Cornette. Corny did it. Good God. But anyway, this match they tried to fix that loophole, I suppose, by having three guys in the ring. Yeah, stupid. You've got like D'Lo will hit like a running powerbomb on someone. Great move. Pins them right in front of the other guy. And he's like, one, two. Oh, I'll kick that. It's like... It was, it was like there, there was a moment where... Uh, I can't remember, because I can't tell the headbangers apart. There was either Mosh or Frasher. The, the other two are working. And he just stood in the Literally corner. stood there. And then, as, soon, the and then as, soon as, as soon as someone falls to the mat, 
he runs over and tries to pin them. Like that's that's what this match is. No psychology, no pacing, abs- and no one is no one is like in the crowd gives a fuck either. Um, and to make it worse, Billy has assless chaps. Yeah, oh, they're horrible. They're they? absolutely. They're wearing the DX hockey tops, though the ones that yeah, say they suck actually it, look DX, which I was a proud owner of when I was the age of ten. Lucky uh, you. Walking around town, an uh, old man came up to you and said, "Do you really like to suck it?" <laughs> <laughs> DX for heels at the time, so I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we do get the one, the one saving grace of this match is D'Lo Brown. Um, I think he's the only person he's trying who, so who's hard trying man. to to get the match well. He does an amazing Hurricane Rana. Mm. No, that's true. Yeah, no, he does. There's an amazing Hurricane Rana. D'Lo's great, but match. it's just, it's just like, I mean, if D'Lo's working with a guy and then you've got like, you know, headbanger thrasher just standing there going, what, what do I do now? Yeah. What do I do now? It's like, it just. It, it D'Lo is. can't save the match by himself. No. Uh, and as per usual, the New Age Outlaws match, um, Road Dog gets hit by everyone and it all builds up to the hot really tag. Gone. Yeah. Really gone, yeah. yeah. And then that is the thing that I hate the most about the New Age Outlaws. The predictability. I, I've, I've pinned it down. Their formula. Their formula. Mm. I thought it was just the Road Dogs mic skills that pissed you off so much. That 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 piss, pisses me off. I, I've decided now. I like Billy Gunn. No, Billy Gunn is great. It's Road Dog. You don't like. I Road don't Dog. like Road Dog. He gets the shit knocked out of him, and you know that was all that happens. That he does within the match mm-hmm. is get the shit knocked out of him, and then he goes to um, Billy. Billy Gunn, gets the hot tag. Billy Gunn cleans house. Why are they in a tag team when Road Dog does fuck all? <laughs> no, he's it, true, made me, he's true. it made me so angry. And then, like, he's getting beat up, so he, you know, he, he's, he's supposed to be just uh, sort of lying around. So as soon as he gets, ta- gets the tag in, he's like, all right, Road Dog's going to get a, a, a rest now. He doesn't fucking stay still. He runs to the other side of the ring immediately to knock over. It's either Mark Henry or D'Lo Brown yeah. and starts fighting them. Just so Billy can get the get the pin in, and it just it just made it annoyed me so much, and I really got angry watching this match can purely you, for wow. my dog. Can you think of any other tag teams where it's like that? Where like, because I mean, you know, every if you're a face tag team, one of you gets worked over. But I'm yeah. trying to think of a tag team where it's always oh, one, one guy because Matt and Jeff would always switch or yeah. Edge and Christian would switch but, and the Dudleys would switch but that's a good point Road though, Dog I mean, like the past couple of pay-per-views Road Dog does fuck all he gets the shit he knocked, gets out, shit knocked out, out of him yeah. Billy Gunn should just get a singles push just get rid of them oh we'll get to that don't worry like, <laughs> you make me feel like that's going to be shit now but, yeah, no. but he like he, he should like he deserves to be there from my opinion, more than Road Dog. Well, does. I will say, don't discredit Road Dog's ability because of this, because obviously you are correct. They are doing a very like you know. That doesn't mean he's bad. They are doing a straightforward yeah. formula. They're repeating themselves, and to an extent, I think this is maybe mine and Kevin's rose-tinted glasses betraying us a little bit because I never noticed that formula before I'd never noticed the repetition until you just said that. Mm. But you're obviously correct. I always prefer the outlaws as heels. I prefer, you know? I vastly prefer them as faces. Mm. But what I will say is, don't discredit Road Dog just because of that. Give him time, because, you know, yes, they've been doing the same thing over and over again this past few months, but we've still got a couple years of the New Age That's Outlaws. That's true, left. and actually, you will be seeing New Age Outlaws pursuing singles careers, actually, by the time we reach the Rumble, the guys right. will start being in oh, singles really? matches. Yeah, okay. competing for a hardcore title and uh, intercontinental title, respectively. So you'll see what Road Dogs yeah. really like. Yeah. So, so yeah, New yeah. Age Outlaws win, because I just said that before. That's true. Oh. Um, also in this match, we have our grunt of the night. There wasn't oh, many yeah. grunts. There wasn't, well, there was, there was lots of generic grunts from Regal and Mick Foley, but no standout big grunts. Apart from in this one, at 2 hours and 7 minutes, 27 seconds into the pay-per-view, Road Dog bounces off the ropes, jumps straight into Mark Henry, and Henry catches him into a bear hug. 
and Road Dog just goes, Credit. Beep, 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 get out of the fucking road, beep, beep, beep. Yeah, New Age Outlaws win this match. Fucking absolutely tedious. Jim Ross calls the match unique. Yeah, which means it's shit. That's like, you know. JR code. They're out of their elements. Then we get a moon from Billy Gunn. Oh god, oh. the most awkward mooning ever! Like, Billy Billy Gunn used to do the moon all the time, and what they would do, they would blur it out. It's actually a taunt on the wrestling game. You yeah. do it in '64, but like he would do it kind of like a cheeky kind of see pick someone in the crowd. He'd do it or he'd do it to his opponents. Here he's just gassed. He looks drunk, doesn't he? Turns around, just wonkily pulls down his jocks, and his thong is all bunched up into the side. Yeah. It's just like. And he's, not, he's not smiling or acting rebellious when he does it. He just like literally turns around with a plain face and pulls his pants down. It's and Rodog cuts what can only be described as a jumbled, incomprehensible plot. Don't look at that! You got a promise, Kiel Center, from the D-O-double-G and Mr. B.A. Double Poisonous Serpents. But Bangers... Go get you a WWF merchandise catalog and see if you can't order up a couple of IC belts. Fucking all he he says something about the IC belt. Yeah, he's like, hey, headbangers, why don't you go www.shot.com buy the IC belt? The fuck are you it's talking like about? Steve Brule would say. No, it is true. He's absolutely incoherent here. Um, there you go. Awful match. Absolutely awful. And it's main event time. And sadly, again, I don't know if you guys felt this, but I mean, my lack of promo packages throughout the night has really hurt the pacing of this pay-per-view yeah. and assumedly the pacing of this episode of the podcast <laughs> but yeah we're heading to our main event and I, I have to say first of all I love this because we had been talking about so long how sick we were of Austin Kane Undertaker mm. and variations thereof I was finished with it after SummerSlam you know and we got three more months of it right now you've got The Rock versus Mankind from the finals for the vacant WWF title of the finals of the Deadly Game Tournament. Neither man has held the, held the belt before, and neither man has ever feuded with each other before in any significant way, shape, or form. It's fresh. It's completely new. And if you look at that on the other side, in WCW, you've got, you know, Hogan and Sting, or, you know, Savage and and, and DDP, you know, all the, the, the usual ding-dong. Lads who have feuded before, who've held the belt a jillion times. This is fresh and new, and it's fucking awesome. What I will say is, yeah, you're correct, because that was the big thing. Like you say, you expected Austin Undertaker to, to be in the final, and the fact that it's Mankind and The Rock is like really, oh it's, my it's god, they actually saying, did something unpredictable. Yeah. They did something new and fresh. Yeah. But this is not a great match, I don't think, just because it's the end of a long-ass pay-per-view. Both Everyone's these guys, tired. They've had yeah, four matches The crowd's each. tired. These guys are both fucking knackered. Yeah. And as great as the concept is for the feud, this... I mean, it's, it's to be expected. They've been through an awful lot in one night, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's just this isn't like the best way to kick yeah. it off. The thing is, these guys, they knew at the time, are going to go on, and I just cannot wait the next few episodes of the podcast. Oh, they have yeah. much better the matches than this. wars that these guys yeah. have. This match is more from a storyline building perspective. Yeah, they definitely. couldn't have the big knockout, drag out brawl. When we've got things like the I Quit match coming up, yeah. this is very tame in comparison. It is easily the worst match these two have with each other. But it's, I think it's it's more in terms of setting up The Rock and setting up Mankind's storyline. Story I could not tell you who I wanted to have the belt really? at the start of this match. Because you're, you're quite a fan of Foley. I mean, you were a fan of Foley before the podcast. I've always been a fan of Foley, but in the past couple of weeks, in the past couple of podcasts, I've become a huge mark for The Rock. He's on fire, and, though, isn't he? Yeah. And I'll talk about this a little bit later as yeah. well. But um, I was two ways about it. I, could, I would either want 
The Rock to win it because The Rock is the face mm. and I like The Rock so much. But at the same time, Foley fucking deserves it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does, and so I was like, I was of two ways about it. So like, I, I really... would have been happy regardless of who got the belt, mm. but I couldn't tell you who I wanted to have it more. Mm. And then everything... It all changes. All changes at the no, end. I love I'm that gonna dynamic. get angry again and shout some more. I, I, I love that dynamic though. When you've got like you know, on one hand you've got like the grizzled veteran who's just been trying for so long. He just wants to win the belt, and you've got like the young, the future of the business. The yeah. Both guys are like very deserving, kind of going in. From the offset, we start getting Montreal references from yeah. 1997. Montreal screw job. It's a you know well established uh, incident that happened. Jim Ross does like talk about it in a manner that's kind of like it was a very dark day like kind of ashamedly so which yeah. I think is interesting uh, we get a shot of McMahon having a quick wah wah with the big boss man backstage you know boss man and uh, uh, McMahon didn't even leave the building they actually just pulled a quick ruse over Austin they were there all along so Austin is presumably at a kinko somewhere pulled in in his little uh, stolen car kind of going I've really done it this time <laughs> <laughs> Send lawyers, guns, and money. <laughs> McMahon comes out with the boss man. I'm starting to notice a trend here. Yeah. Uh, they brawl to the outside. Funny. Yeah. A lot of rest holes the, in this uh, match. The, the, the fact oh, that, the fact oh. that uh, weapons are now allowed to be uh, used, that gets gro- dropped. But yeah. it actually gets stated this time it's a no dis- uh, disqualification. At least they actually mention it. And as soon as those words are said, we get almost immediately the... Uh, what the rock does to mankind oh, with when the stairs. Oh, that is Foley, brutal. Foley, they brawl through the crowd for a bit, then Foley comes back and he gets the, the stairs, picks him up just like kind of right by his head. Rock smacks the stairs with steel chair. Foley comes down to an almighty clatter. Oh, what the hell is oh, mankind doing? Oh my gosh, look at this. And The Rock turns it up, to quote Jim Ross. <laughs> that meaning he kills him. Yeah. He yeah. smacks the... Destroys it. him. At this moment, Foley wins for me. For this moment. What? For this moment. No, for, the, for this moment, this is why I want, I want Foley to win. Oh, oh I yeah. see. Yeah. Well, that, that, it was that turning point. I want Foley yeah, to win. Yeah, yeah. Now, we get, um, we, we, we get like a, a couple more rest holes this match. More than are probably strictly necessary in a normal match. Um, but given the fact these guys have wrestled so much... It's kind of excusable. Really, you got yeah. Rock puts Mick Foley in that move. The uh, what's the move? It's called the what's the next sequence? Mick submission yeah. holds. Having a blatant conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jr. says that Earl Hebner is the best referee in the business at selling merch in an alley. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask Bret Hart. Mankind dives off the top of the rope to the outside through the Spanish announce table. Straight away. <sighs> he really clips the edge of it as well. It's not a really clean horrible. Break. The match didn't need it. It would have been. No, no. Uh, Especially bam. not after all the wrestling you've already done tonight, Mick. Seriously. Rock hitting the people's elbow. But then we get a double arm DDT from Mankind, followed by Mr. Sacco. And the crowd are really unsure how to react. Yeah, they don't know if they, they want it or not. They, it's, it is legitimate that you're starting to see here 
Rock is the face going in. Foley is meant to be the heel, essentially. But the crowd have already started to kind of rally behind Mick yeah. Foley. Because they really, like... The Rock's been very hard-hitting. Yeah. I don't think the, the crowd don't really turn on The Rock during the match, I don't think. But they definitely start seeing Foley as well, I think it's kind just because of... the crowd are wising up to the fact that Mankind isn't a heel. He's just aligned with heels. Mm-hmm. He's working for heels, but he's still a decent guy. He's and the frequent, frequent shots to Foley as God signs, which are yeah. everywhere in the crowd, leads you to believe that, you know, yes, this is what they want you to think, yeah. to be honest. Foley, when he's got the rock in the in the mandible claw, and it is, the camera zooms in real close, and Foley just lunges his head back, and you can see he's almost crying, because he's in the center of the ring, and Jim Ross is like, he's so close, he's finally going to win it. Really, like, if this is a what should have been a really memorable standout moment, it just maybe is wasted a little bit, this kind of level of emotion, yeah. because the crowd just aren't vested enough, I think, because they're just tired. But it's tired. still fucking amazing it's to still see awesome, the amount though. of emotion that Mick Foley can conjure after Fo- Foley, so many times in one night. and Yeah, he's a master at this kind of thing, yeah. you know. But, like, it's The Rock, he's just about to be hand-go down for the third time, but he just puts Foley straight away, rock bottom, amazing. Stick Mr. Sacco further down in there! out though amazing yeah. two count yeah. and at this point the crowd are really starting to lose a lot of buzz they're, they're starting to really think okay something's happening here and then out of nowhere mankind gets put in the sharpshooter and immediately the bell rings yeah oh sharpshooter there's a sharpshooter sharpshooter hey the man said ring the bell wait a minute what you smell what the rock is wait a minute And you can also, you can also believe that each and every one of you are just as pathetic and gullible as mankind. The Rock is the new WWF champion via screw job. He is now a heel with the McMahons. Vince and Shane both come into the ring. They all embrace and the crowd literally lose their shit. Yeah. Because honestly, I really think 
this is the biggest possible heel turn that could have been. Because even if Austin turned heel at this point in time, Austin was always a loner. The fact that The Rock was like, I'm doing it for, for the, the people. people. It's yeah. like, And then McMahon is like, just so you know, the people screwed the people. <laughs> it's like really heartbreaking for yeah. the crowd. And Mankind's just sit there and he's like, I didn't tap out though, Vince. Why did I? He calls him dad. He calls him dad. Dad, I dad, I didn't tap out. Sad. Feels so so sorry for me. And he just sat there in his little bow tie. And then they beat him up with the belt again and knock him down. Now that is where the pay per view should have ended. Yes, yes, Vince yes. McMahon is like, I'm gonna, you know, we'll talk more about it tomorrow on Raw. Tune in, it'll be a good one, yeah. lads. Uh, <laughs> I know Rock's got the belt, they beat up Foley, and I think it should have ended there. And actually, it's funny because if you play uh, Attitude Era mode on 13, it ends there. Yeah. But Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out. Oh, maybe he's back to, you know, sort of help Mick out and fight off the, vi- the, the heels yeah. and the villains. Stone Cold Steve Austin, who, I don't know, has got some sort of sat nav that informs him when he's been given the slip. <laughs> By the way, Steve, you know. He just comes out, the show ends in this incredibly weird note as he just beats the piss out of The Rock. Vince and Shane run off with the, with the belt and Austin just beats the piss out of The Rock. Your new mega heel, the corporate champion, the guy yeah. who's meant to be the crown jewel. He gets a stunner. And, and kicks the shit out of Foley. Yes, he gets mankind as well. This poor, like, broken man who's just been betrayed by his father figure. Yeah. Steve, oh, I so say, sad this ending. I was about because this pay per view was long. It was quite. It was fourteen matches. It was hard to get through. I mean, you know, it was. It's and there wasn't many angles really going into this that we mm. hadn't discussed before. So there wasn't much to talk about. So it's just match heavy. I was about to forgive the pay per view because of the ending. You know, that was so strong. That double switch, it, turning then, Foley face, who's now the underdog, and turning Rock heel, who's now the corporate it, champion. It, yeah, it, I can't. Austin ruined it. They I ruined it. it. They I can't tell you the, the, the whole ending for me. Oh, it must have wreaked havoc on you, Billy. Because even though you know this is like an this is like a really important moment and quite a famous moment, I knew nothing of this. When I watched this, it was completely new to me. I'm loving the Attitude Era and The Rock. I I feel betrayed. <laughs> oh my god! My it actually god, works. Man. It works. It's, Kevin. it's, it's 1998. I'm I've gone back in time. I yeah. I've Relive this moment beautiful. that people lived so many Vince years Russo, ago. Vince Russo, you bastard! I, you broke Billy Cable's heart. I feel betrayed, and I'm just—I'm still—I'm seething at the Rock at how the I'm Rock so can do that. I'm so happy about that. Tell me this: I'm, I'm so fucking angry. He, he fucking broke my heart. The Rock. I, I imagine you want now more. Do you want more than anything now to see Mick Foley? get his revenge oh, on this piece of trash anything in the world that see it's uh, worked it, like that was I, I, I was saying to you guys for ages that Survivor Series is the storyline shift for like the next six months you know it's it's completely different landscape it's no longer Austin Undertaker and Kane it's the corporation Austin Foley Rock it's so brilliant yeah. and I think this is just like one of those moments where you just get sucked in so much Mick Foley is so like it's so easy to get behind him here that even though he's a creep and he's a weirdo, he's got a weird sock and a crazy looking mask. He's like, you know, everyone's hero. You want now. him to be okay, don't you? You yeah. want everything to go his way. It's, him it's, and the rock. It comes at such a. It just so happens to be this week, but we did Survivor Series as well. Because if you follow me on Twitter, I've been marking so fucking hard for the Rock over <laughs> the past two weeks. I like just you know not current Rock or you know, this generation of the Rock. You know the attitude of the Rock. I've been marking so hard, and it's just been. All for nothing. All I will like, say though is I'm so fucking angry. <laughs> he Dis- made a fool of you. Billy he did Kimo. make a fool of me. Despite being heel, you know, despite being heel, 
The Rock is still just as entertaining as ever. Yeah. If not I can imagine more entertaining I'm because sure now is, he doesn't yeah. have to pander to the crowd and pretend he's a good guy. He's just an asshole. And uh, in that sense, he becomes a lot more selfish and he's just like, he's doing all these catchphrases and it's just so fucking brilliant to be a lot of rock stuff coming up here i'm excited for it he rock bottomed my heart (laughs) (laughs) well there you go guys that is going to do it for this episode that was survivor series the deadly game tournament only thing to do now is ask you guys for match of the night and mvp adam well there's certainly a lot of choice for match of the night there's fucking fuck loads no choice Easily, without a doubt, it's going to be Steven Regal versus X-Pac. That match was absolutely awesome. Despite, you know, being really concerned about uh, X-Pac by the end of it. And Regal as well, to be honest. But all things considered, they still put on a hell of a good match. Mm. And like you said earlier, compared to the rest of the, the weird pacing of this pay-per-view, this match is a nice little break and you get like a proper bit of wrestling in yeah. it. So yeah. it's really good. MVP? Uh, my MVP is going to be Mankind, just mm. for the sheer like acting skills that he put on display yeah. in this pay-per-view. Definitely. Like, the promos weren't very good because no one's promos are good in this but you do really get the sense of betrayal at the end of it you can see heartbroken about Vince turning his back on him and it's just this is really the start of like you know a few months back we were talking about oh this is the start of The Rock becoming a big face or whatever yeah. this is finally finally the start of Mankind getting his time in the spotlight as yeah. a face and he's like he's going to be like he's a main adventure now I'm you so know? excited it's for awesome. it it's going to be brilliant well we got some big matches coming up with Mankind I literally can't wait for them Billy match of the night MVP. All right, so match of the night, I'm going to have to echo Adam, give it to X-Pac and Steven Regal. Uh, really, really enjoyed the match. Um, I feel bad for X-Pac because of you know, his, his injury that he's presumably sustained in this match. And knowing as well how fucked up Regal is yeah. during this time, yet he can still pull a match off like... He, he delivered still yeah definitely he, he still delivered you know I think the reason it's so easy to talk about Regal's like dodgy period of time he because he's so because, open about yeah. it yeah and he's, he's, he's so he's, humble and he's got a happy ending now as well he's yeah. in the perfect place in WWE just you know trading guys and commentating on NXT he's really yeah. happy doing what he does now I mean now, so. I, I love Regal so much when I went to um, Raw and he came out yeah I've never he got the <laughs> apart from The Undertaker when the Undertaker came out, Regal got the biggest pop of the night. And Not like, surprising. And you know, I, I've I've all, I've always loved. Regal. I think he's one of the the few wrestlers who just like has this like, in this part of the world. He just has this universal kind of you know, people have an emotional connection with him. I think. Yeah. So I think he's just sick. Like, yeah, he's a very very like weighs on everyone's mind in the UK as a wrestling fan. He's he's there like. Look forward to getting to some proper William Regal. Yes, once we hit 2000 and William Regal is, you know... I look forward to it. He's out of rehab, his life has turned around and he's just the most entertaining thing ever. MVP. MVP is a really tough one. Um, I really want to give it to Mick Foley, uh, just for everything. But I'm going to have to give it to The Rock. For breaking your heart. For making me feel something. <laughs> you know? Is this the first time in wrestling, by the way, where you've actually been, like, worked, so to speak? Where you've actually kind of gotten emotionally invested in an angle and then felt a genuine sense of, like, betrayal or, like, fuck, you know? Because, I mean, I, I, I rarely oh, I'm trying get to think what's happened in the past, because like, I've only been watching wrestling religiously over the you past don't get any, any there's not been that, that There's not been that much stuff, so I think this is the, the first time... I've, I've felt something like that. What I will say is, imagine the emotion that The Rock has just put you through, and, you know, with this big swerve, imagine the stuff that you've been feeling now, but imagine if you were a child when you saw it. Yeah. Imagine what oh, it does Oh, man. I'm not going to say it, because, you know, we don't have to go into it, because it's in the future yet, but at the end of the Attitude Era, 
there is a very very big swerve and it made me cry my eyes out as a child it broke my heart how does Vince Russo sleep at night I know he's a villain you he's an absolute crook you swerved my heart yeah I'm, 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 I'm gonna have to give to MVP rock. to The Rock okay um, and, and special mention to Vince Russo, I guess, yeah, at the same time. <laughs> Definitely. Well, this is Vince Russo's baby, this pay-per-view. Kevin, match the night and MVP. Okay, I will um, have to disagree with you and Billy and actually go with the main event for my match of the night. Even though I think they probably went on to have better matches than this one, I think that in terms of storyline, and I mean just in story development, this is like one of the matches that really grabbed me so far in the timeline. So definitely... Match the night goes to Rock and Mankind. Do you mean that from more of like a significant point of view then? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it definitely was like, you know, really significant. But I, mean, I think the match itself, they stepped up the intensity. And considering that both of them had wrestled, you know, what, three or four times already yeah. on the card, I think to actually finally have enough left in the tank to pull off a couple of big sequences at the end, I was very impressed. But yeah, the storyline really is what does it for me. I love it. Swerve. Big swerve. And I love that they played... This is the only time that they did the Montreal screw job again, and you know they, it wasn't crap, you know, because yeah, they always go to the well and try and redo that, and it yeah. always sucks. And also as well, credit to Vince Russo because the the whole double switch thing, it, it's so hard to pull off, and I think it's rarely done in wrestling because it's known that it's so hard to pull off. If you can almost preempt what the fans are thinking and make them, you know, switch around like that before yeah. they've actually kind of grown tired of a guy or have already started cheering a heel. That's outstanding. It's only happened, you know, Austin and Brett, and they did it recently with Del Rio and Ziggler as well, so, you know, kudos for that. And it clearly works as well, especially here. It clearly did its job. Yeah, definitely. My MVP then obviously has to be The Rock. I mean, anytime anyone, you know, is given the torch and becomes the new guy and goes on to have a lengthy, awesome run with it, which he really does... I have to say, definitely, Rock is my MVP. He was the youngest champion ever in history at this point as well, so massive True. responsibility. He'd only been with the company for two years, and to follow, you know, basically he's following Steve Austin in terms of mentioning to be the guy, so yeah. And that is going to do it. That is it for the Archie Lera podcast. This was a big episode, Survivor Series 1998. As always, if you're listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or on iTunes, be sure to leave a rating or review. Five stars if you may want to and encourage that would be nice that would be nice uh, we always around people only oh, ratings reviews it actually does help us out massively particularly on iTunes if you do leave your rating or review more people will see it more people will find out about the show if you are on Twitter you can follow us at AE Podcast facebook.com forward slash attitude era podcast go on to youtube we've got our videos up there there's a new one about SummerSlam just up check out our vines check us out on botchamania.com that's all the plugs you have time for good lord these, you're these getting gas there I think I gotta get in shape brother <laughs> and that's gonna do it uh, we'll see you next time on the attitude era podcast where it's going to be rock bottom 1998 Money once again, AZ, uh-huh. firm staff, back in the fact. I was, I was a little boy. I was, I was, I was a little boy. Utter dog shit. Dog, dog. Utter dog shit. Dog, dog. I was a little boy. All the children asked. Dog, dog. They all laughed. I was a little boy. Utter dog shit. I was a little boy. I was, I was, I was a little boy. <laughs>
da 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 da